Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me, what exactly is adfree shows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts, starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts, like Click This with Kevin Nash, Gentleman Villain with William Regal, Oh, You Didn't Know with Brian James, and others, but yes, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week, early, with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Want some more cheese on that Whopper? AdFreeShows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Eric Fires Back, Idle Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, but there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at AdFreeShows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com. It's the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now. Adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. For Starcade, 605 NWA, TV title, Cajun Army, the Bunkhouse Stampede, Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tag Team, Turner, Bottom, Mid-South Joy World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions. Tony and first what they win, look Shivani's back again, World Title Split Off, Center Stage, Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro, New World Order, and The Crow, Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinnie Mac, Simulcast, Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast, watch a long try not to laugh, lowest rules can't pass, this wasn't the initial plan, Tom Zing's a good looking man, Klondike Bill, make a chair, Tommy, come over here, what happened when, WHW Monday, and now, let's go to the ring, and here's your co-host, hey hey, it's Conrad Thompson, Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Conrad, I'm doing quite well. Thank you very much for asking. How are you doing, bud? Man, better than I deserve. So excited to be back with you. It feels like it's been a little while. Last week, I was out of pocket. We played a little Best of Jones. But man, we are rocking and rolling and ready to do it to it today, man. I'm pumped up. Road Wild 1997. We've had so much fun poking fun at old bad WCW shows. And this is going to be a great show. You know how I know, Tony? Uh, because it's WCW. The readers of the Wrestling Observer were polled as they are for every show. Yeah. What'd you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. They got four. Four thumbs up, four people 
enjoyed this show. And that means we're going to have a lot of fun poking fun at it. I'm pumped, dude. This is going to be a great show. If you gave it a thumbs up back then, you were one of the four horsemen of bad wrestling. Well, there you go. How about that for a little zing right off the bat? Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned before, I always liked going to Sturgis. Yeah. It was a, fu- it was a fun trip because I'd never been there. And if you've been there before, have you been to Sur- Sturgis? I have not, but I, I've, I've often joked about here on the show that me and you and Eric need to do some sort of get together over there. Mm-hmm. I think it would be fun and well be the first time you've seen boobs since your birthday. So could be fun. Yeah. It's quite the freak show. Really? What oh yeah. Because of all the people with tattoos and piercings and you know, uh who was it? George George Carlin said one time that motorcycles, motorcycle riders are not what they used to be that there are these, you know, these weekend guys who yeah, with their motorcycles on the back of an SUV on a trailer and, and the call, he caught him a bunch of jack offs. He said he'd liked the old motorcycle gangs. You go to Sturgis and you see a lot of those old type motorcycle gang type people type guys. And, and it's a, it's a freak show. And I, and I like it. You see a lot of old ladies with their boobs hanging out. And, Which, you know, I'm for, you know, yeah, I'm, I, them, I don't let mind. Them, it. Let them hang. Let them roam hang. the yard. Yeah, just just go out and 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 dress up to where to the point to where you shouldn't. I don't mind that at all. And I saw it. One of the, one of my fondest memories of Sturgis. It, it it probably shouldn't say it's fondest memories, but one of my memories of Sturgis that sticks with me more than anything else was. We're walking along. I don't know who I'm with. A bunch of us are walking along, just looking at the different shops because it's kind of like a, you know, it's like a big street fair, right? Right. And there's this, uh, tattoo tent. Uh-oh. It's kind of, yeah. Uh, and they are also doing piercings. Yes. And this couple and they are, this couple obviously are motorcycle couple and they have this little girl. And she can't be any more than, let's say, five years old, right. six years old. Five years old. Yeah. And they have her put up in the chair. What? And they have her get her first ear ear piercings. Oh, well, that okay. I thought you were going to say tattoo. But, I mean, lots of little no. kids get their ears pierced. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking, oh, my, I'm witnessing this girl's first piercing. It's a big deal. Yeah. And looking at her mom and dad, there's going to be a hell of a lot more in her life. And they had the little gun and they, they did it. They had two little guns. They went, and I'm thinking this girl is going to scream and on both ears at the same time. And she just looked and smiled at mom and dad and hopped down. And I'm thinking, wow, you you, you don't know something crazy, dude, but that kid's 30 now. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> when you think about it like that, that's fucking wild. Is it not? Yeah. And she's got piercings probably everywhere now. You know, I've always wondered, do you think people who like piercing people and we both know some of them, right? If, if, uh, do you reckon as a kid, those were the type kids who played with the hole punch at school? <laughs> Cause we, we all, we've all seen that as kids. Like you had the three hole punch, you had the singular hole punch. Now these days, you know, kids these days, they don't even use paper. So they don't know about this. Right. But back in the day, man, we all had binders and shit and. Yeah. There'd be the one kid who would, you know, punch all these holes and punch a bunch of holes in stuff. And then he had all these little, 
punched out holes. And man, now that became like snow, but every class had a kid like that. And I wonder when they get older, they say, man, look at this on my body, man, that looks pretty bad. You know, what would make it even more badass. What, what if we put a hole in it? What if it had a hole in it? And I mean, next thing you know, here we go. You ever get a hold of a, a, a surprise piercing on a lady? Uh, no, I've not really. I've heard about them though. Surprise piercings. Uh, now what would, what would be weirder to you An upstairs surprise or a downstairs surprise, a downstairs surprise. Okay. Yeah. That's let me, uh, I don't mind piercings as, as you know, my ears have been pierced. Oh yeah. We're all well aware. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, a topic of much conversation. Not anymore though. Right. I mean, it used to be, but people are kind of over it now. Right. Well, if, if you watch AEW dark coming up, uh, well, if you, if, if you watched it last night, it would drop on Wednesday, but on Patreon, if you watch tomorrow night, I did an interview with Andrade and on dark, and it was really a good, I I really enjoy Andrade. Nice guy. Yeah, he is. He's good. He always He's always smiling, always cheerful, and um, very respectful. And he even said during an interview, he said, I respect no one, but Tony, I respect you because of your earrings. <laughs> By the way, that is an excellent, I mean, excellent Andrade uh, impression you did. And a little yeah. later, I'm going to have to have you do that for Mrs. Thompson. I'm going to get a few drinks in her and I'm going to call you and pretend. Oh God. And you're going to have a whole conversation like you just did. Yeah. And she's not going to believe what she's hearing. It's going to be great. Okay, good. I'm, 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 I would just can't wait to begin a family fight. Oh no, it it won't be a fight because she'll think it's hilarious. Like Mm. there was a, well, it doesn't matter now. I mean, you know, he's not there. It doesn't matter, but. Uh, once upon a time when Paul Heyman was running one of the shows, remember once upon a time, they tried a thing where Bischoff's going to run this show and Heyman's going to run that show. So nope. when they, when they did that split with WWE years ago, mm-hmm. uh, Heyman was really high on Andrade, like really high mm-hmm. on him and made him uh U- S champ. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. You know, him and Ashley were together. I mean, him and Charlotte were together at the time. And so. I came over for uh Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah. Cause it was before the MSG show, which is always around Christmas. Right. And he did an impression of Paul Heyman explaining what was going to happen. Now he didn't do this when we were just hanging out, just like around past the taters type deal. Mm-hmm. This is like hanging out, fellowshipping, maybe a little alcohol at my house. You know, it's been known to happen before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he has. Even though he might not have, you know, the, the most, um, dominant promo skills in English when he mm-hmm. really wants to deliver something, mm-hmm. he's got fucking great comedic timing and a pretty good impression. Mm-hmm. And he had the best Paul Heyman. I mean, to this day, when they were here a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. Megan was like, Hey, what did Paul Heyman say? And he fucking nailed it. And As a matter of fact, if you really want to freak him out, you should bring it up this next week on TV. I should just because he will look at you like, "How the fuck do you know that?" Tremendous. Just nudge him, say, "Hey, what? Hey, what did Paul Heyman say?" Just hit him like that. See what he says. Yeah, about the garden. Say it like that, and he'll get it. It just got it tickles Megan to this day. 
Yeah. And we filibustered enough, man. Uh, I, I'm fired up. August 1997, Road Wild. It's two hours, 45 minutes, and 25 seconds. Now, if you look it up on your peacock, it's not hog wild. That was 1996. Harley Davidson said, uh-uh, and it became road wild the next year. And that's what we're about to watch. So type in road wild and peacock. It's season one, episode one, and we're going to watch two hours, 45 minutes and 25 seconds. Be prepared between the matches. We're going to take breaks. So in between the matches, we're going to go ahead and press pause. And we're going to read you some commercials because that's what we do here. We pay bills with our gimmicks and, uh, we would really appreciate it. If you would check out adfreeshows.com. And I think you would appreciate it too, because you would get these shows early and ad free. But most importantly, if you check out the WHW Patreon, you see once upon a time, all my shows had separate Patreon, not anymore. It's just the Tony Schiavone fan base who, and the Tony Schiavone fan base turns out and watches AEW with Tony Schiavone every week. You want to talk about inside baseball. Here we go. And uh, of course, later at the end of this month, we got a big little get together, low key, big hog slash top guy weekend. Uh, we got lots of fun stuff planned last year, exceeded all expectations. And, uh, we're hoping to make a whole bunch of new memories and hope you consider joining us. It's patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. And, uh, Tony, this is the time where we usually have a special countdown. We got that goof hanging around. Is he ready to get us going on season one, episode one of WCW Road Wild 1997? You mean Steph Chesney? Yes, sir. Yes, I we do. Uh, Steph Chesney's a rock and roller, lives in Las Vegas, and is seven foot three. And very annoying. Whew. And Steph, are you? Yeah, he's ready. Here we go. You know it's all about you! into the Sturgis bike route. Will it be a short trip of victory for Lex Luger? Luger's a champion! Luger's a champion! Or a long road of defeat for Hollywood Hogan? Find out as WCW goes road wild. And you are looking live at the great Sturgis Rally. Welcome, man, to the Black Hills of South Dakota, where during the course of this week, over 300,000 bikers from around the world were part of the Great Sturgis Rally. And on this, the final day, as you look in, over 20,000 fans have joined us for WCW's Road Wild, sponsored by Biker's Dream Ultra Custom Cycles. What a scene and what a night we have. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so glad to have you with us because 
on this 9th of August, 1997, World Championship Wrestling with the backdrop of the Black Hills Boys to once and for all end the reign of the new world order. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tony Schiavone, joined by the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. So there we go. There's the open. There's the entrance. And uh, it was kind of fun just to see that that shot where we opened because back in the day, that was a helicopter. These days, that's a $300 Best Buy joint, uh, the drone. But now you got to remember all those years later. And look at you with your fucking fake tattoo. You, you had to, uh, you had to get a helicopter for this. And yeah, what about this outfit, Tony, you've got on a, uh, a blue jean jacket that's been cut off at the sleeves. You got what looks like a scorpion or what is that? That little press on tattoo on your right forearm. Yeah. I think it is a scorpion that I had a pressed on tattoo. We got, uh, the American dream in a denim cut off sleeveless shirt, a backwards hat, some shades. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the Tony Soprano Rolex, and then Bobby, the brain Heenan wearing a, a road wild shirt, a WCW hat, regular glasses. And one of his jackets he used to manage in, I think in the mm-hmm. WWF, this is quite an interesting look. Look at this cast of characters. I mean, this is Mutt and Jeff Jones right here. The, the denim jacket that I wore is one that we sold. It was a sleeveless denim jacket. I had that for a long time and finally donated it. I think, believe it or not, Aaron Neville actually did a concert wearing that once. I, you may, I believe I remember that. I mean, how crazy is that when you think about it? You know, one of the things about this, I've mentioned this before. If you listen in in the archives, uh, talking about these shows, but I've mentioned before that this was basically a a parking lot. Yeah. You can tell a gravel parking lot. Look at the quote unquote ramp they're walking yeah. down. And it looked, it looked the part. And in this gravel, uh, in this gravel parking lot, they used to take handfuls of gravel and throw it at the wrestlers. So that was always interesting for the boys and girls. When something would happen, they would get hit with a, a face full of gravel or something. So. Love, love Sturgis. We were very lucky that we always had good weather for it because it could have been just a, you know, downpour. And, uh, and I always liked looking because you, you really didn't see, how do I say this? You, you would look around and you, you really didn't see a lot of really hot women. (laughs) You saw good looking women, but you saw a lot of, you know, you just didn't see a lot of real hot women. Wow. Here they come to heat. Stevie almost bust his ass. Anyway, damn. Let's track it here. <laughs> Great impressive victory. The only thing I can do is just sit back, watch, and see like the rest of them. 
You know, I always went out on a limb and I say this is the best tag team in WCW when they're talking about Hall of Heat, but they always needed guidance. If they got a surprise or whatever they got going tonight, they're going to have to airlift it out of the air here because nobody's with them but them. So we're going to get it on NWA right off the bat, NWO right off the bat against Hall of Heat. So the crowd went mild. Uh, I don't mm. think they're going to respond to many folks except the superstars. Right. Uh, but this is, uh, this is not your typical crowd to say the least. Uh, Meltzer would say this mm. Harlem heat beat Marcus Bagwell and Scott Norton in 10 minutes and 20 seconds, a solid match. Jacqueline came out at seven 20 to get into heat's corner at the finish. Vincent distracted Stevie Ray in the ring. Norton gave Booker T a shoulder breaker at that point. Jacqueline attacked Norton. Norton must have loved having to sell for her choke. As Norton was being held, T gave him a thrust kick followed by a sidekick and pinned him while Jacqueline held Norton's leg to keep him from kicking out. Mm. When you think about it and make no mistake, Miss Jackie looked like a million bucks. She could certainly, mm. uh, uh, bench press, uh, out bench press a lot of the guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, Mr. Norton is not one of them, but he's low man on the totem pole here, at least based on star power. I guess they didn't want to do that to buff. But I like the, the idea of pairing Jackie with the Harlem heat. I do too. I Jackie was, as you said, beautiful, strong, had a great presence about her. I liked it. I mean, there may be some people out there that say, oh yeah, they're going to pair a black woman with a black team. That's the way they're going to do it. But no, she was good. She was, and you know, she went on to have a great career. Didn't she? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Hall of Famer, man. Yeah, Hall of Famer. This is a this is a location. It wasn't this year. I guess it was the following year, where we had Jay uh, Jay Leno wrestle, right? Uh yeah, that was nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. So this is the the place we had it. As a reminder, that's, in ninety six, that's when Hogan turned heel. That mm-hmm. happened in July, and he would beat right. the Giant for the world title and win the big gold belt and spray paint it. One year ago. So mm-hmm. hog right. wild, 1996, but now fast forward a year later God. and Lex Luger has won the world title just the Monday prior. Now the road mm-hmm. wild shows were on Saturday, right? Uh, most of the time WCW pay-per-views were on Sunday in this era, but this was a Saturday show. So the, the episode that predated this, if you will, was actually from the palace of Auburn Hills. It was the hundredth episode of nitro and the very first three hour nitro. There were 17,616 fans there and something nobody thought really would ever happen. Lex Luger beat Hulk Hogan to win the world title. It was a major fucking moment in WCW history. We've covered it in the archives, but Tony to this day, I still think that's one of the biggest moments in nitro history. Don't you? Yeah, it's, it is one of the biggest moments, one of the most memorable moments. And it's really one that when it went down during the day that it was going to happen, we were kind of, sh- we, when I say we, I guess the announcer crew hanging out, we were kind of surprised that it happened that way. In other words, that Hogan would drop the title to Lex Luger, but it was good. We saw a little bit of the footage at the beginning of this. It was, it was very cool. Very, very well done. And I, I kind of smile at when you say 17,000 fans at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Man, we were smoking hot, weren't we? 
Dude, on Monday Nitro. It's unbelievable the the, yeah. the role you guys were on. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes you had to, you know, fudge huh. a little. Oh, we fudged a lot. It's wrestling. Meltzer would say with pay-per-view shows coming with such frequency, they're going to be good ones and bad ones. The industry is moving at such a ridiculously frantic pace. There's no time to savor the good ones or dwell on the bad ones because for the most part, by the end of the next night, they're already old news. Mm-hmm. WCW's road wild was one of the bad ones that in <laughs> itself isn't a big story because the WWF and WCW have had their bad ones, <clears throat> but there are reasons why this is a huge story. There've been inner demons festering within WCW during this period of outward success. We know about the good and often great ratings, the best house show business and company history and a talent pool with depth when it comes to both marketable names and those who can work at a world-class level. That would be the envy of virtually any pro wrestling promotion in history. We also know about the egos involved and the problems that entails. The failure of Road Wild as a show points more to the problems with egos and decision-making than to a poor show as a measuring stick of where the promotion is today. To start the very concept, and boy, he breaks it down in a big way, saying today in any major market, any WCW pay-per-view event will, between ticket sales and merchandise, gross a low of $150,000 to a high of $300,000. So doing a free show is basically giving away the opportunity for a tremendous amount of revenue. One can argue that Bischoff turned the profitability of the company around far more than that and doing shows that are fun for the boss and a few of the boys that like to ride and hang out in this atmosphere is just a perk of the company's success, but boy, did the show suffer for it. Mm -hmm. So he continues down that, but the real deal is he's talking about the backstage politicking. He says that Terry Taylor was the booker and he put together a show and had subsequent bookings for the next couple of months built around three title changes. Chris Jericho regaining the cruiserweight title, the Steiners finally winning the tag titles and Hogan regaining the WCW heavyweight title. And then something happened. Meltzer says what exactly happened wasn't clear. The belief is that Holland Nash went to Bischoff and told him they thought there were too many title changes of late. And it was ruining the credibility of the titles. At least that's where everyone was placing the blame. And on the surface, they have a valid point and Bischoff agreed, which may have been the correct thing to do. The problem was if that was the case, it needed to have been done well before all the plans were made. And the fact it was Hall and Nash who came to that conclusion at the same time they were going to drop the titles does give the viewpoint that it was something of a conflict of interest. So they sort of lay out all the different politics and moving and carrying on, but also too, they say just straight up, you're a stone cold fucking liar that there was between six and 10,000 people here. He says it looks more like six to 7,000 way smaller than last year. And even bash at the beach 95, he called you Pinocchio saying Mm -hmm. over and over the crowd was Mm 20,000, but he didn't feel like that was necessary because you literally almost just did 20,000 in the same week. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any of the politics and the infighting and particularly Hall and Nash not wanting to do the job here? Yeah, I remember all of that. And we just kind of, I just kind of shook my head at it. And let it go. Didn't really get involved in it. As a matter of fact, the the more politicking that happened, the more. Yikes. Here comes Miss Jackie. The more politicking that happened, the more 
distant I got from it. I, I always got that vibe from you that yeah, if it ain't fun, Tony don't want none. Yeah. I just, I often thought that in, in the midst of politicking, if, if I stay removed from it, I, I just thought there were enough problems without me getting removed from it. Yeah. Not only that, you know, it's, it's, it's different for me today than it is back then than it was back then. How so? Well, today I have, I have a lot of, uh, years behind me. I thought you were going to say political power. Well, I have a lot, I have a lot of years behind me now and I'm working with kids. That's true. And here, and here I'm working with, with guys, my age. So it's, so th- it's, th- there's more deference now. Yeah. I got you. And yeah, of course I'm going to lie about the, the crowd. Uh, you have to, I'm, I'm, I'm told to, it's my fucking job. Yes. Correct. Uh, it always it, tickles me when, when he would say, yeah. you know, Tony Schiavone lied. Well, Tony yeah. Schiavone did what he was told to do. Yeah, exactly. I lied on TV shows. Dave Melter was a prick writing, writing dirt sheets. That was our job. So, and I thought both of us did it very well. Uh, Jackie, Jackie seemed to hear kind of, uh, I don't know. Nervous, I guess was, was it, you know, she, she did. She just kind of walked out. She didn't have much fire about her here. She wasn't comfortable being, being the star yet with all the, attention. that's right. Yeah. This is something that she would work into. Yes. And I think that's it, normal. You know, yeah. in real life, people want you to be humble and blah, blah, blah. But you know, when it comes to being a TV character, you got to strut that ass. Exactly. By the way, speaking of strutting that ass, when I see Miss mm-hmm. Jackie, I can't help but bring up something that I think we're going to have a little fun with on the show today. <laughs> I found out yeah. that this past week in Nashville, whether it was Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, yeah, routinely, folks within the industry, mm-hmm. professional wrestlers, office people, et cetera, et cetera. Just struck up casual conversation with our great close personal friend of the show, Casio kids, lovely bride who we know affectionately as big booty Judy. Yeah. And one by one, they all asked, Hey, who do you wrestle for? <laughs> Where are you based out of? Hey, who's booking you these days? Hey, what's your gimmick name? <laughs> now, some of those conversations, like one of our producers, for our, our wrestling show last Sunday was it certainly intrigued by her and said, Hey, where are you based out of? <laughs> and she said, and who do you work for? And <laughs> she said, and they were like, mm, I hadn't heard of them. <laughs> do you have a, uh, a gimmick name? <laughs> yeah. Big booty Judy. And, uh, how long have you been working? <sighs> I mean, since I was 16. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And how old are you now? She says, mm-hmm. and, uh, what's your finisher? My what? What's your finisher? <laughs> well, I don't have one. You've been working since you were 16. You don't have a finisher. No, I'm, I, I don't even know really what that is. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wait a minute. Are you, are you a wrestler? Oh, no, no. Uh. <laughs> but they just assumed. And so when I see Jackie, I can't, I've often told Judy for years, I've said this. You are like a white Miss Jackie. Jacked up. I mean, similar facial features, too. Look, that's mm-hmm. Judy right there. 
And there it is, the Harlem Heat are victorious. And Tony, I'm going to get to about 1725, and then I think we should take a break here at 1725. There it is. And we're taking a break to let everybody know about our friends at Chili Sleep. Tony, after the week I had in Nashville last week, I came home and I slept for 12 freaking hours. Mm-hmm. Now, I needed it, but I don't know that my body would have even allowed me to do it unless I had the ideal temperature on my bed. Thanks to chilly sleep, there was no fussing with the covers, no flipping that pillow, trying to find the cool spot. I felt great when I woke up. It's all because of chilly sleep. Chilly sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions. They really have, been help, have helped me improve my entire well-being. I feel more productive. I mean, let me ask you this. Can you even imagine waking up and not feeling tired? That's possible with chilly sleep. They've done it for me. In fact, thanks to chilly sleep, I have bright, vivid, colorful dreams. I never dreamed before chilly sleep. Now I'm not being romantic about dreams. I'm being literal. I'm getting deep REM sleep. I wasn't getting before, and it's all thanks to the Uller. That's what I have. They also make the cube sleep system. Either way, Tony, it's a hydropower temperature controlled mattress topper. Let me explain. It fits over your existing mattress. It's like a thermostat for your bed. You can control it with your freaking phone too. It's unbelievable. I have mine automated. It turns on for me at night. It warms me up to wake me up. Megan's side of the bed is a different temperature than mine. How about that? They're going to keep your pre- your bed at the perfect temperature for that deep sleep. Chilly sleep is designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. I know for certain I'm more productive because of chilly sleep. And Tony, I know you love yours too. And I think we've got a special offer for our listeners, right? Head over to chillysleep.com slash WHW to learn more. Save 30% off the purchase of any new Cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for What Happened When listeners and only for a limited time. That's chilly, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash WHW. Take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love that. I love me some Harlem heat. They pick up the win here. We're at 1725, Tony. Here we go in three, two, one play. You know, Tony, that match got two and a quarter stars, Mm. but we're on to the next one. I think we've got uh, Conan on deck. Uh, Conan and Rey Mysterio are going to be hooking it up here. And, uh, Let's get a, a, a little shot here of the crowd and track it. In the internet uh, position right now. Mark Madden back there as always, of course. And now let's check in with the Steiners. Why did you choose to manage the Steiner Brothers? Chose the Steiner Brothers, chose to come to the Steiner Brothers because they represent traditional wrestling. They have a tremendous amateur background as well. well fans, that's Ted DiBiase, of course, who uh, was the first man who voluntarily stepped away that, from the NWO, and that was an interview conducted earlier today. That, you can log on right now and find out what's going on exclusively on the website for WCW Wrestling at WCWWrestling.com. Ted DiBiase, another 
mix to the formula here that gives WCW the upper hand in what could be. Hello there. In what could be. Settle down, Brain. In what could be. Did you hear Bobby selling for her? Yeah. <laughs> he was selling pretty big for her. Yeah. Uh, hey, Conan and Ray Mysterio. I, I like the, uh, the license tags. Yeah. For the uh, graphics. That was pretty cool. Listen, wonder- you know, th- this show kind of gets a bad rap in that, you know, you need different looks and feels and spectacles. And these days, if you go online, you'll see people saying, oh man, I wish they did the old sets talking about the WWF. These days, the WWE is just nonstop, <clears throat> you know, led boards mm-hmm. and it looks fantastic, but a lot of fans prefer the way it used to look with these themed sets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And here is one, you know, this definitely has a distinct look and feel. And of course, Eric Bischoff has, uh, detailed over on his podcast, 83 weeks that because of this show, they got those major sponsors like Valvoline, you know, to sponsor the replays all through, you know, nitro and thunder and all that jazz. So I I do believe there's a business benefit to it beyond losing the gate. I don't think it was only or strictly a vanity play. Um, but it is also too a cool spectacle that looks and feels different. And maybe that presents some more sponsorable opportunities, but it is even now still weird to see Ray Mysterio walk into the ring on dirt and gravel. <laughs> yeah, we all thought it was an Eric Bischoff vanity thing. I, th- yeah. I think most of us backstage thought that, and most of us backstage questioned, scratched our head as to why we would do something like this when we could get a good house right? or we could bring in money. And we all thought, well, Eric just loves motorcycles and that's his thing. So this is all about Eric, but I often, all, I often thought through all of this, and I know you've talked to Eric about this. I've often thought through all this, that Eric is, listen, here's the guy that pulled that under his guidance made WCW a big thing yeah. where no one else did. Yeah. So if he's going to do this, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I always thought that. So there you go. And I'm sure, you know, like you said, there were some, uh, high points about doing this, but I mean, look at Ray Mysterio jr. Doing all his shit and everybody kind of sitting on their bikes, not cheering it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it kind of is what it is, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I absolutely love the look and feel of this show because it's different, but I can also imagine as a performer, well, this sucks because you're not getting the response. I mean, it is really a dead crowd. Right. Um, and I, I imagine as a performer and again, I don't know this, but that canvas has to be hotter than a motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, just realistically, it's been in the sun all damn day. Yeah. Right. And now you're rolling around on it. It's got to be a little bit like a damn frying pan. Right. Yeah. So we're going to start around the normal time around seven, eight o'clock Eastern time. So you're looking at mountain time here. So you're two hours earlier. Well, Mickey. Uh, I'm sorry, Mickey J, the referee who passed away recently. Super sad, super sad to see him go. Yeah, me too. One of the more well-respected referees around too. 
Yeah, I uh, noticed Dave Pinter was our ring announcer. I got to see Dave uh, at StarCast. It was good to see him. Oh, really? It was good to yeah. see him, huh? Yeah, it was. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a likable pain in the ass. Boy, truer words have never been spoken. Mm-hmm. A likable pain in the ass. And now he's Scott Demore's likable pain in the ass. So there you go. They can deal with him. Ray Mysterio, did you see him? He was uh, in Nashville last week, hanging out backstage. I did not see Ray. Ray was there. Uh, I mean, he wasn't wearing his mask, so you may not have recognized him. Uh, no, I would know Ray without his mask. How many? I didn't. I, many? I didn't uh, there wasn't many people that I that I got to hang out with. I I was like on Sunday, like like two uh, two or three tables down from Kevin Nash. Didn't even get to say hello to him. And How about this? I never saw Kevin Nash. I know he was really? there, but I never right. saw him. I saw Claudio. I saw Brian Danielson. I'm trying to think of who else I saw. Obviously, I saw everybody at the at the, at the venue. Did you uh, see Michael Hayes? Did not see Michael Hayes. Who's Michael that? Hayes stopped by. Yeah. Did he get? Uh, what, he, what, he, that, he, didn't that, go, he didn't go in front of the crowd. Right, but okay. But him and Hurricane were hanging around backstage. Okay. Did not see him. I'm sure he was hard to miss backstage. Uh, he uh, he was propped up next to Brian James watching on a monitor. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, I did see Brian. Um, I'm trying to think of there was somebody else I hadn't seen in a long time that I just... Uh, you probably hadn't seen The Undertaker in a long time. Hadn't seen The Undertaker in a long time. He introduced me to his wife. Uh, and I think he had some of his kids there with him. One child. That's correct. One child. Yeah. Introduced me to him. I, and, uh, it, it's amazing because, you know, I work with him as Mark Callis, right? Right. Mean Mark. Mean Mark. And I still call him Mark. And it's just like, it's, it's weird because when I see him, I think the last time you and I, well, I, I saw him in an airport one time, but the last time. You and I spent some time together. You were mean Mark. And now I'm looking at one of the biggest stars ever <laughs> in wrestling. It's just weird. Uh, obviously I saw, uh, Bret Hart. We had some very complimentary things to say about me. Well, that was and, nice. Yeah, that was, that was very nice. He told me, he said, man, you've, you've been one of the, uh, something about one of the legendary voices and you're still doing it. Very, very happy for you. It was very nice of him to say that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but it was, Hey, we had a good time, didn't we? Well, most of us had a good time. I don't, you probably were stressed out of your gourd as you always are. Um, not always just at Starcast, but I mean, here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Starcast was, uh, stressful to get off the, uh, or on the air on uh, Friday, just Mm -hmm. setting up the staging for the roast and making sure we had you know, every little detail covered there. And, uh, as we're talking right now, we're actually, uh, it'll be edited down. I don't think everybody who maybe has seen a roast on comedy central knows this, but those are usually like five hour affairs that they trimmed to, uh, to under two hours and, right. uh, hours went two hours and 45 minutes. It was originally supposed to be two hours, but as with everything, guys don't hit their times and go over. And mm. <laughs> so we'll trim an hour out and get it down to about an hour 42 and uh, I think it'll be, I think it already was the best wrestling roast ever, but it'll be, 
a really great project when it's an hour shorter. Um, and then, you know, we had to make sure all the meet and greets and the panels came off and we had just a ton of really fantastic conversations. One of which you hosted that given all the information you and I know behind the scenes, I don't think either one of us probably thought whatever happened that horseman panel, mm-hmm. uh, but it happened yeah, and, and it was uh well-received thanks to you. And then Sunday night, man, here we go. <laughs> a wrestling show. What the fuck? Yeah. I, uh, I do need to say something, uh, that, that really needs to be said. Uh Oh, surely Edgar needs to be arrested and needs to be thrown in jail and the key thrown away. Okay. And life, life, life in this world would be better without that little salt off fuck. You know, he listens to the program. Oh, he does. Well, then I should probably backpedal here a little bit and reword this. Uh, okay. First, uh, surely kiss my fucking fat ass. Okay. Okay. There you go. Just thought I'd say that. And, um, what's that about? No, you know, <laughs> it just, I love surely. He just, I just hang not hanging for the short period of time that I did get to hang out with he and Cassio backstage. They both made me laugh uncontrollably. Yeah. He is truly, and I gave him a hard time about not being funny at all. He's truly one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Just looking at him makes me laugh. Did you see what I just saw? I did. Do you think that was a mistake? Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know either. I, I mean, it looks what, like a real injury. Yeah, it does. It looks like he was going to bounce off one, do a moonsault springboard off the top. And he just landed wrong. Yeah. And I thought he hit his, his head, but he started selling yeah. like he hit his knee. Right. How about this submission? I feel like you could do that to Lois. Nah, DDP probably does that to the elderly. One of the great jokes I heard at the roast. Good to see DDP is here, or as I call him, downward dog, the bounty hunter. It's a great joke. Hey, give everybody the uh, time code where you're at. Uh, I'm at, uh, 29, oh, uh, 29, 11, 12, 13, 14, maybe about, yeah, look, the match ended. I, I really think he really hurt himself and. I don't know what Meltzer said about it, but he, I think he really got hurt there. And this may have been his first big knee injury. I don't know. It just seemed like he, no, they're continuing the match. I thought yeah, it was, over. I was going to say, I don't think so. Okay. I saw the shot of Conan smiling at, at the camera. I thought maybe that was his victory. Well, the Casadora. How about that? There, there was one time during the course of the broadcast that I called a move correctly. And one of the announcers, it may have been Joe, it may have been uh, Ian. Oh, I remember said, this. They said uh, yeah. that that uh, Excalibur is rubbing off on you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you maybe hey. maybe you called it a poison Rana or something, but it was That's something right. where they were like, how the fuck does he know that? Yes. You just never know. I got to watch the show Thursday, finally, for the first time. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're there, or people are coming to you for 
you know, this thing, that thing, whatever, you don't get to actually sit down and watch it until, you know, for story purposes, I had to be there. Uh, so I got to see that part, but a lot of it, I hadn't seen most of it. So had some friends over on Thursday and we got to watch it. And, uh, yeah, I heard that same comment and grand ear to ear thinking, (laughs) boy, imagine if Tony from January of 2017, he'd have been like, Oh, what a maneuver. (laughs) Now he fucking knows. Oh, poison Ron into a go-go plotter. (laughs) Look at, look at the Raven selling his ass off here, man. Yeah. Such a talented guy, man. And and the fans who are not really fans really think he's hurt. And well, actually, so do I. Melser would say, um, it was mainly Mysterio Jr. doing a basic few flying moves, which Conan sold, then selling his knee. This is actually the type of match where Conan works best in because it's him using submissions and he's got a wide arsenal of unique ones. He just talks about selling a lot here. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's the tap out tequila sunrise. Tony, what's your time code? Uh, let's, uh, time code is, uh, 3141, 42, 43, 44, 45. You want to hit pause? I think we'll wait until we uh, get through some replays and we're going okay. right. we'll to all right. We'll pause Talk to our friends. Mm, we love talking to our friends. Man, hey, he- break the hole, motherfucker. Break that hole. Seriously, he's had it forever. I know. I told him break a hold. Ain't breaking up. Break a hold. Break the damn hold. Come on, we got another match. He's still tapping. Coming up next, by the way, it's Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael taking on Jeff Mm. Jarrett and Dean Malenko. Mm. Wow. A lot of stories in that one. Love this version of Conan. Uh, How do you I mean, how could you not? He's just Yeah. The coolest dude ever. Right. I don't even know why he was cool. It's kind of weird. Like you just are, or you aren't. And Conan, I feel like has been cool from the jump. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Sling blades out here. Mark Curtis. Mm. I thought that was the world's tiniest stretcher. (laughs) It's a knee brace. Huh? Shuley's about what, uh, in reality, Shuley's about five inches shorter than Ray Mysterio. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he just really, I didn't when realize he, when he moved to Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, he saw how affordable housing was here, but in reality, all he requires is like a tree house, right? You know, him and his family there live and make cookies, easy bake oven. I'm yep. sure. Uh, Keebler elf Jones. Mm-hmm. Those fudge stripes ain't nothing to fuck with. Mm-hmm. There yeah. it is. Tequila. No, that's not a tequila sunrise. That's a, uh, that's sure what it looked a, like from that angle, but that looks sure, a little different. Sure. It's not a poison rhino on the floor. Oh God. Listen to you. I, Tony, I'm at uh 34 or 33, 45. Why don't you get to 33, 45 and hit pause. You'll see all the bikes lined up down the middle of the street here on the main drag. And we're going to talk about something that I know you are a big fan of. That's your beautiful, lovely, luscious hair. Hair loss may be in your genes, but it doesn't have to be in your future. It's August, which means it's national hair loss awareness month. Did you know that two out of three guys may experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35? I I mean, that's, that's a lot, right? So luckily in most cases, 
Hair loss can be prevented and treated. Keeps is here to help. Whether you're looking to stop hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or simply take better care of the hair you have, Keeps has you covered. Over 50 million men in the U.S. experience some form of male pattern baldness, and as the experts in hair loss prevention, Keeps is dedicated to helping guys keep their hair growth on track. You see, once hair loss starts, it usually doesn't stop or reverse on its own. So the earlier you take action, the more hair you're likely to keep. So Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair by convenient virtual doctor consultations, medications delivered straight to your door every three months, and check this out, 24-7 care, support, and oh yeah, a low cost. You see, Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. And Tony, as always, I think you've got a special offer, right? If you're ready to take action to prevent hair loss like I did about a year ago and no longer see hair in the drain in the shower, thanks to Keeps products, you can go to Keeps.com, that's K-E-E-P-S.com slash W-H-W to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash W-H-W. To get your first month free, keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash W-H-W. Tony, I'm at 3345. We see those beautiful bikes lining the streets here of Sturgis. We're going to get it going here in three, two, one, play. We said 300,000 bikers. You're looking live right now on hand this week for the great Sturgis rally. Each and every August, they all come here. How much ink do you think is in this town? Ink? Tattoos. Tattoos. I would venture to say a lot. As a matter of fact, many WCW stars got on their motorcycles in Detroit after the matches were over there Monday night and took the trek all the way through Minneapolis, all the way across the northern part of the Midwest, all the way here to Sturgis and arrived here this week. It was quite a trek, and it's great to be bringing you this great Sturgis rally. There's Overlook, uh, the city of Sturgis like what 25,000 people here during uh, the course of the year no 7,000 I heard 7,000 yeah. okay and then 300,000 descend on it for exactly. one week. they're still backed up here on the street trying to get in all right standing here with us our colleague the one and only mean Gene Okerlund uh, Tony I thank you very much I had a uh, an opportunity to escape along with 300,000 people if our cameraman can do this oh my I'm goodness. gonna try I've got to show you this, Is this a Gene I spent a little first? time check this out oh Check this out, ladies and gentlemen. I like it. I don't remember how it happened, but it did happen. <laughs> and I'm proud of it, and I'm going to be wearing it for the rest of my life. Attention, Hotline fans. Tonight on the WCW Hotline, there are two new managers in World Championship Wrestling. One of those individuals is a former world champ. The other, well, that's another story that's developing even as we speak back in the locker room and trailer areas here in Sturgis. I'll have details on those and all of the happenings in professional wrestling tonight on the hotline. So pick up the phone, give me a call at 1-900-909-9900. That's 1-900-909-9900. Call the hotline, a buck 59 a minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. Right now, let's adjourn to the ring and the launchman, David Penzer, for more action at Road Wild. First of all, how great and how talented was Mean Gene. My God, that was so awesome. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Only Mean Gene could take that coat off, show that tattoo with his mic in his left hand, and as he's talking, put the coat back on without flubbing a line, without missing a beat. God, there was nobody like him. There was nobody like him. I, uh, 
You know, when we saw that, uh, that's that shot of downtown Sturgis, do you know what stuck out to me more than anything else? What? I don't know if you noticed it or not. Saw all the bikes lined up on the street and over on the right there was a, was a, a sign, uh, a gas station, regular gas, a dollar 30, a gallon. $1. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> it's awesome. It's unbelievable. Oh God. We are such, so fucked up as a nation. Oh, I'm glad I'm old. I'll be dead soon. To worry about this shit. Motherfuckers. Gas prices. Son of a bitch. Cost me 70 bucks to fill up. <sighs> Cost me over a hundred. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. How about it? Ooh, man. Who are you more excited to see here? Dean Malenko, Jeff Jarrett, or the lovely Miss Deborah? Uh, yeah. I want to mention, uh, recently on 83 weeks and by recently, I mean, uh, two days ago, we did an episode talking all about Mongo. Yeah. And I pitched Eric on an idea. Uh-huh. I haven't had a chance to pitch you on yet. Okay. You know, at the end of the month, we got this big shindig going down for our top guys and our low key, big hogs. And part of the festivities that weekend will include, uh, an indie show, the wrestling showcase, I guess there's going to be a tournament and a new champion crowned and blah, blah, blah. But you know, really? anytime we can mix in some, some, some wrestling in there is always fun for our fans. And, and, uh, where's it going to wrestle going to at, at the same hotel that we're at. Okay. All right. In the same building. So, yeah. Uh, we're not involved. It's not our promotion, anything like that, but we did secure a block of tickets to see, Hey, if any of our folks want to go, Hey, we got some wrestling matches right next door. Let's go, let's go see it and check it out and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'm saying all that to say, I thought, Hey, you know what? What if we did like, what if we got with fight and we did like a podcast super show and we let people who wanted to watch the show pick their own price. You want to pay a dollar to watch it? Cool. You want to pay a hundred dollars to watch it? Cool. But no matter what they pay, I'm going to try to convince fight and everybody on our side. Let's just donate every nickel to Mongo. We're in Chicago. He's in the fight for his life. I don't know if you've seen the recent photos of his battle with ALS, but I sure have. Man, it doesn't look like him at all. It's, 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 I, I, I glance at him, but I can't look at him long. Cause there's a lot of them with him, with teammates from the bears and, and wrestlers in there. It's just, it's. It's heartbreaking. It really is. Well, I just think it would be a nice thing because we're all, most of us uh, on our podcast network are going to be together. And if we could, you know, do the shit we would normally do, yuck it up and whatnot, but do it for a good cause and help somebody who really needs the help. Maybe it's not a bad idea. So I'm working on it. Hopefully we can have some more information next week, but that all came out in the course of us discussing Mongo. And Eric was pretty candid about some of the missteps he had and some of the things he wishes he could have done differently. Like maybe when you're first debuting Mongo, I'm not comparing the two, but book him in Goldberg, like squashes. Don't have Mm -hmm. him wrestling eight minutes in his first match with Joe Gomez. Who's also brand new at the time. Instead, have him go out and, you know, 
hit a big power move, hit another big power move, hit a finish, let him get some reps. Right. And it was nice to hear Eric sort of look back and say, well, I wish I had that one to do over again. So right. really entertaining episode, but I don't think anybody's going to talk about it. Tony, I think what they're going to talk about is a story that Eric Bischoff revealed. It involved the lovely Miss Deborah. Ding, ding, ding. And it involved. Go ahead. Her taking a shit in a pool. Um, uh, boy, that took a left turn. Yep. He said it's so casual too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's become a thing now as we see Benoit and Malenko here tearing it up. As always. A- anytime we have a conversation, he and I about a particular talent or we do a bio or whatever, I'm going to always ask, Hey man, you ever know of them shit in their pants? <laughs> because if he's got shit on the guys for real, yeah, this could be like a whole new, I mean, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to change the dynamic of wrestling podcasting. People think they want to hear the dirt. Well, they go hear the shit. Why not? Okay. Don't, don't talk around this. Tell us the story about her shedding in the pool. Well, I don't know the full details. I just know he did a Deborah impression where she told the story. Okay. Make them up. It doesn't matter if you know the details or not. That's what a good story. Eric, I, (laughs) I was in the pool and of course, you know, in Chicago, Everybody wants to come see Steven. And so Steven is, 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 is talking to all the fans who just keep wandering over and wanting his autograph and pictures and stories and all that. And I'm just there in the pool and I had to poot, but I was in the pool. So I didn't think anybody'd notice and I'll be darned a turd floated up. (laughs) And I realized, Lord heavens, I've just shit the pool. (laughs) And Eric says, first of all, I can't imagine how misfortunate and unfortunate and unnerving and all those words it must be to realize that something has slipped out of your butt in public. Yeah, right. But then... To turn around and tell people the story. And I, and, and most of all, I'm mm-hmm. like, Eric, that's private. You shouldn't, we shouldn't be telling this story on the podcast. He's like, she told the story to me. I didn't witness it. <laughs> so she doesn't have a problem with this shit or she wouldn't have told me the shit. And then he said, as a matter of fact, I remember her telling me another shitty story. And I'm like, wait oh. a minute. What? What are we talking about right now? He goes, well, once she was jogging and she shit herself. Uh-huh. And then she told everyone. Yeah. So there she you go. Probably, she probably needed a butt white boy. It makes me wonder what was Mongo doing? Well, this was such an issue. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Deborah had had a, uh, a, a very, uh, 
way about her, an innocent way about her, to where she would talk like that, thinking that, you know, I mean, she was a glamour queen, right? I mean, that, that was her gimmick, but she really was. She was absolutely, completely drop-dead gorgeous. But she she would joke and she would say things that that would make you think, wow, she's just an old country girl. I remember I talked to her on the phone, and I haven't talked to her on the phone since I don't know when. They had, uh, do you remember? I know you do. She lived in, I don't, does she still live in Tuscaloosa? I don't believe so. I think she's moved to Atlanta since then or something. She was going to move to Atlanta and she's, you know, she's done a lot of great work in the courts and everything. And, and do you remember the, uh, the, um, the tornado that went through Tuscaloosa? I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. April 27th, 2011. Yeah. So Deborah and I had been chatting back and forth, texting and talking and, uh, when the hurricane went through Tuscaloosa, I called her and she picked up and I said, are you okay? She said, Oh, I just, she said, I just slept in the bathtub all night. She said, I, I, that the house started shaking and I just dove first in the bathtub and I slept in it all night. And just the way she said it in her Southern voice, and you could tell that she was scared just was, it wasn't funny, but it was funny. And, um, so yeah, I can see her telling those stories, you know, that's just her, right? Well, her, her. I, I, I just didn't expect to hear it from Eric Bischoff, you know, that. Right. Look at Jared. Yeah. Man. That's how you Malenko, do it, right? Who said there was bad blood between him and Malenko. He has thrown his partner to the wolves here. He has left Malenko alone. I have never He's seen that in all the years I've been calling this sport. A man get himself pinned. So Double J walking out on his partner, not something we're unfamiliar with, with him and Mm -hmm. his behavior, by the way, just to recap, Harlem heat got two and a quarter uh, stars, Conan and Ray got three stars. This match is also going to get two and a quarter. Boy, Jared in the match against flair was, uh, was a wild man, wasn't he? I think it's one of the best performances anybody could have ever imagined or expected from Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Like the, these days it feels like there's that was heat from a bygone era. How's that? Yeah, there you go. I agree. And I, I even I, said, you know, as he walked in his entrance, he walked in and said, God, he looks great. Yeah. He looks as great as ever. And as I'm saying that he walks over to the, our broadcast post and takes my papers and throws them everywhere. And we had papers everywhere all night anyway. And uh, and I said, I take back what I said. (laughs) He was going fucking nuts. It's pretty crazy to think about just how much heat he had coming in there. And he knew what he was doing, man. He took that guy's beer, threw it in his face, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, pushed Denovia Smackdown shoved me like half-assed choke yeah later pushed down Wendy. tried to get after megan tried to walk out a couple of times Uh it was old school but man that shit still works it's uh, you're not kidding it still works it was uh he did a great job oh by the way 
Happy birthday to Dean Malenko. Just this past week, he celebrated another birthday. How's Dean doing? Uh, he's doing okay. Still got his great sense of humor. You know, Dean is one of the funniest guys ever, right? Yeah. So I sent him a text on his birthday and actually we were in the, uh, we were in the, uh, what airport were we in Columbus, Ohio airport. So this would have been Thursday morning. We're in the Columbus, Ohio airport, uh, getting ready to fly to, uh, Detroit. And, uh, I was at another part of the airport. Didn't realize he was at the gate with me. So I sent him a text. I said, Hey, happy birthday old man. And he says <laughs> in classic Dean Malenko fashion, sent me a text says, thanks. It feels just like yesterday that I was a sperm. <laughs> that popped me big time. Uh, have you ever, I mean, do you remember being sperm? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But apparently Dean does. I didn't know that. And so there's the tombstone pile driver. Dean I, my, uh, probably wishes I, he was sperm that day. My response should have been, and that you've only grown three inches since then. Tony, I think when we get to uh forty nine thirty five, we should uh we should hit a little break here. And there we go, forty nine thirty five. And boys and girls, I, I got to tell you, they've been a, a sponsor here for a while. But we've got a brand new product that we're excited to talk about. Have you ever been affected by that mid afternoon slump? Yes. But you don't really want to go grab another cup of coffee. Maybe you're looking for a cleaner energy boost to help with work or chores around the house, or you just got to get that second wind and go pick the kids up from school. Maybe you've tried other energy boosters. Maybe you're struggling with your focus or your productivity. And I know that used to happen to me. I mean, I gotta be honest years ago after lunch, man, I'd have this crash and I would sometimes take like a quick little 10 minute power nap because I didn't want to try to start drinking coffee. I've always been more of a diet Coke kind of guy, but I don't want to just Peter out at my desk. I got stuff to do, man. I'm trying to feel accomplished here. Well, feels brand new focus melts are unlike anything you've probably ever seen or heard of. It was for me. Focus melts are a fast acting, long lasting caffeine free tablet to help you say goodbye to procrastination and reclaim your day. Their fast acting tablets dissolve in moments, leaving you with improved focus and minutes. They taste great and they can help reduce cravings for snacks. Whether you need a boost of focus instead of going for that second or third coffee, just pop one tablet. Uh, focus melts are also going to be powered by something that's naturally occurring. It's a compound that gives you the laser focus that you expect from caffeine and other stimulants, but without the crash feels has already helped more than 10,000 people take back control and feel better through their premium wellness products, their real human support. And most of all, their membership program with free delivery straight to your home. In fact, and I want to, I want to mention this cause I think this is awesome. If you become a member, you get 50% off your first order. Think about that. 50% off when you become a member and Tony, that's not all we've got even more, right? Tell them about it. It's time to say no to sluggish days and restless nights with feels focus melts. By the way, Conrad, I use feels focus melts. Lois subscribes to the oil every month. So she said, you want to try these melts? And I said, sure. And you can better believe when you see me 
on days doing, I almost said nitro, <laughs> doing dynamite or rampage, I've had a day of the focus melts. I have. So you can become a member of the today like we have. Save 50% off your first order of focus melts and get free shipping by going to feels.com slash WHW and use code WHW at checkout. As a member, you'll save money on every order and you can easily pause, swap, or cancel anytime. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash WHW and use WHW to become a member today. Say goodbye to procrastination. Woo, do I need to? Thank God. Reclaim your day and start feeling better with feels. Love it. And uh, can't thank feels enough for being a big part of what we're doing here for a long, long time. And hopefully you guys are digging it because we're going to get going here at 49.35 in three, two, one, play. It was walk in and walk out. Sabotaged his partner. Malenko was in a wrestling match and Jarrett was in a parade. Offense. As we said, the Endeavor is the queen. Endeavor is, as always, the queen. As we said, the WCW wrestlers uh, made the trek all the way here on their bikes uh, earlier this week, and here's what happened. So, fun little video of all the guys making their way in. I got to see... Uh, the Steiner brothers this past weekend, spend a, a few minutes mm-hmm. catching up with uh, Scott Steiner. Nicest guy ever talked to him a bunch about his uh, kids, both doing big things and college athletics. And, um, man, it's just so fun to see the real life. Scott Steiner loving being a dad. And, uh, of course me being me, I couldn't help myself when I knew the conversation was winding down. I just casually said, Hey man, if you want to do a run in Sunday night and Steiner line the fuck out of my father-in-law. He, <laughs> he grinned ear to ear. I'm going to hold you to that. When I do that shit Sunday, don't have me arrested. <laughs> so great. Oh, <laughs> uh, here's our man, buddy. Chris Jericho coming out, talking to the camera, still trying to find his voice in wrestling. I mean, he's got the in-ring stuff down, but you can tell. He's not yet settled in to his character. And I think he did. I mean, this era of Chris Jericho, I was not a fan of, but by 1998, buddy, he had, he had figured it out. Yeah. Monday night Jericho and the conspiracy theory. And I mean, he always had great matches. I'm not taking that away from him, but it felt like he really got comfortable in the coming 12 months after this. Yeah. He, it's because he was so creative and so talented. He, he got it. He really got it about presentations and thinking about your character and doing things. And of course, you know, to be honest and, and a, you know, a tip of the cap to the WWE, they helped him develop that character in his years there. Uh, <laughs> this, this fucking kills me. Hey, look, a good-looking girl. And here comes your man, mm. Alex Wright. Yeah. Not just a man, as they say on that sign there, the man. This match also gets three stars, so that makes two three-star matches, two two-and-a-quarter-star matches. Not really a bad pay-per-view so far. I'm not going to say it's like yeah. the best thing we've ever seen, but it's not really a bad three, show. 
Three stars, not bad for a match, right? No, no, not in at the, all. In the, in the Meltzer world. Hey, speaking of uh, the Meltzer world, you see, he gave the uh, AAA match last Sunday at uh, Ric Flair's last match, four and a half stars. How crazy was that to see live, dude? Those kids are anything. Ray, anything. I was going to call him Ray Mysterio. Anything Ray Phoenix touches turns to gold. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just amazing. And of course that's look, the guys who are in there with him, working in there with him have, have you know, need to credit them a lot. How about Taurus dude? What a breakout yeah. performance. I think wow. if, if I'm him, yeah. I, I'm, I'm charging triple what I was before. Cause my God. Mm-hmm. that dude went from, I mean, I had seen his stuff before, but I yeah. don't think he had, it felt like every major, oh shit moment. He was right there in the middle of it. He looks, he looked like something from a video game that one of these guys that, that rises out of hell that you, yeah. you shoot in a first, first person shooter like quake or something like that. One of the demons, uh, that's what he looked like. And, um, I want to give this match that's due because both kids can work quite well. The, the day glow green that Alex Wright wore, I really thought really made him stand out. And I have a feeling in front of this crowd, Alex Wright probably was not the most popular. Yeah. He probably got a lot of cat calls. If that is the proper term, but Jericho knew it at his young age here knew what he was doing. See, he would point out fans look, but he would give you action as well. And I, and I say that out of all respect to Chris Jericho, because, you know, we've had a great working relationship for years. I consider him a friend and I consider him a leader. He is one of the leaders in the locker room and, and, and AEW. we are much better off with Chris Jericho. And, and sometimes you look at big time wrestlers and, you think, uh, you know, they get paid a lot of money. Are they worth it? He is worth every penny that, w- that, and I don't know what, what Tony Khan is pays him or pays CM Punk or pays, um, the young bucks. I have no idea what it is right now, but I, uh, I think he's worth every dime. <laughs> And what about Alex Wright? Tell me about him. Do you, do you follow what I don't. He's in America or he just recently was. He was what? He was just recently in America. He was. Yeah. Word is he's going to be doing some stuff here in America real soon. Okay. Okay. Now you Conrad Hmm. doing some stuff can mean a lot of things. Uh, I hear you. I hear, I hear he's doing stuff perhaps with WWE. Oh, okay. That type of stuff. I hear he might be helping with NXT. Oh, that's good. Good. I don't know that. That's a rumor. Yeah. That's good. I, but why I, the I fuck like else it. would he be here unless he's Tony Khan's next big announcement? You know what no. I mean? Like, no. Why else would he fucking be? I don't know. Maybe he's got some sort of, uh, he's got some sort of, uh, I don't know, item that he wants to push. Some sort of uh, German beer. Hey, let me ask you. Um, yeah. Did you go, were you at the Battle of the Belts? So you were at that show last night and you're here now. Yeah, man. You're, you're, you're like a road warrior these days. Are you not? Yeah. Let me, let me just say this. 
Congratulations on your promotion. Oh, thank you. It's not often much. where you get a promotion and it becomes a press release. You, you're right about that, but you got one. And I hope that right. means you got some cheese on your Whopper. I don't expect or want an answer to that. I'm just allowed to hope it. And I'm hoping it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, is Jamie haters nose. Okay. I heard it was uh, no. broken. It was broken. Yeah. That sucks, dude. Yeah. It was, it was inadvertent. Oh no, I'm not saying it was it, intentional. I'm yeah, not, it, I'm not. It, it, it happened on the brain buster. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thunder's right. nose came or, or knee came down and hit her in the nose. Right, I saw it, right. but I, I just, I know that there's some controversy online. I don't give a shit about that. I don't want to talk about that. I'm yeah. just saying you hate to see anybody's nose getting broken. And maybe mm-hmm. this is going to make, I'm probably going to get hate tweets about this, but I hate it even more when it's a lady. Like if mm-hmm. it's a guy getting a broken nose, it's like, well, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. It's wrestling, you know, shake that shit off. But when it's a lady, it's like, oh man, I hate that because there is an there is a double standard, uh, in 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 entertainment, where you know the guys normally, uh, unless you're Brian Pillman on a whim, you're you're not putting on makeup, you know, you're right. just you're there, like, hey, this is me. But there is this pressure for the ladies; they got to get their hair done, they got to get their makeup done. There's this impossible beauty standard that set. And Oh, by the way, you got to be a really good wrestler and you got to be able to talk and you got to be able to make people care and, 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 and so all the other stuff, but also too, this other, you know, physical beauty shit, the guys really don't have to mess with as much. I'm not yeah. saying that appearance doesn't matter, but I just think, you know, there's more pressure in our society on the lady side. And so when you hear the broken nose, like, Oh fuck, I hate that for her. I don't even know her, but I just think that sucks. Well, I hope she feels better soon. I'll put it in this perspective because of the work that I do now. I'm, I'm working a lot closer with, with talent. That was in the, uh, that was in the press release that I'm working a lot closer with talent because a, I know how to treat people with respect and know how to be a, you know, a, a friend or something, buddy, they can lean on and talk to and, and also I can talk to them about things that they know it comes from Tony. So as, uh, when, uh, when, when Jamie unfortunately broke her nose, I went in the back because I wasn't going to do the final match because we brought in Caprice and we brought in, uh, William Regal. So I walked in the back and I checked with Jamie and I went over to him. And I said, Jamie, are you okay? I mean, I'm so sorry that happened. And you know, she was in a lot of pain. So that was my uh, communication with Jamie, a female wrestler. Now, rewind that to when Jericho and Eddie Kingston had their barbed wire everywhere match. Yeah. And the, the chair flew up and hit Chris Jericho in the nose. Now, he didn't break his nose, but we all thought he had. And I walked in the back, and the first thing I said to Jericho was, Ah, uh, broken nose, huh? Probably an improvement. So there's, there's, there is, there is just a double standard on it. And that's right. Right. I mean, I don't know why that is, right. but, and I'm sure uh, you and I are probably going to get some hate tweets about that. Look, why do you care more about the girls or the yeah. ladies? Okay. Fuck. We're just bad people, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, no, if you, uh, if you sent a hate tweet because of what we just said, then you are the exact same thing of what rose in the pool. Around the ass of Deborah. <laughs> I, yeah, well, we're just we're yeah. always going to have more compassion yeah. for the lady side of things. Yeah. We just are. 
Sorry. You just got to have compassion. And if you hate somebody because they have compassion for anyone, you're a piece of shit. Stay home. Leave us alone. Okay. My God. I, I hope they show a replay of that because yeah. Jericho's arms didn't even touch him. And <laughs> Alex Wright just went three quarters of the way across the <laughs> ring. I mean, I'm really proud of mm-hmm. Alex Wright for selling it and putting everything into it and making it look yeah. as good as he can and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But Lord bless him. Jericho needed a little bigger lift in his shoes in order to yeah. make that look a little more real. You know, I, I can't tell you anything throughout the years, uh, anything bad about Alex Wright. He was, he was at, at least from, from my perspective, he was a good kid. He, uh, he was, you know, I don't know if you've heard stories or not, but you probably have. You hear more stories than I do. You have your ear to the ground more than I do. I haven't heard anything negative about him. No, there was because there was nothing negative about him. No. Oh, which by the way, you were talking about, uh, the, um, the Lucha match at Ric Flair's, um, yeah, last show. Yeah. And you were talking about, um, breakthrough performances. Yeah. How about our buddy, Mance Warner buddy? I didn't want to bring it up because it feels like I've done enough homering for him lately, Mm -hmm. but I was so damned happy for him. Like, you know, I know I'm probably oversharing here, but I wanted to do as much sort of JCP tribute stuff as I could. Yeah. So we made sure we had Arn Anderson and we had the, the vignette with boogie woogie man, which we should talk about. And we had the rock and roll express and yeah. So we had all of that sort of lined up and then we had some heritage stuff, you know, with Brian Pillman jr. And, and, and Brock Anderson and lots of multi-generational stuff, Davey boy, Smith, jr. Blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to do the bunkhouse because I thought, Hey, this is a nice way. And unfortunately we couldn't get Cody or Dustin on the show, mm-hmm. but I felt like there needed to be Rhodes representation because he was such a big part of Jim Crockett promotions. Right. And I thought, well, the bunkhouse was kind of his thing. I don't want to do the big oversized boot, but what if we found an Austin hall type boot, the type that dusty wore and we bronzed it and we did a big old belt buckle. Cause you know, Dusty was help was integral in the, the design of the big gold belt too. Like he loved that rodeo style. Okay. Well, let's yeah. just make all that happen. And I had seen an old photo of a belt buckle that Dusty had made for the bunkhouse stampede. And so we just modified it and actually put on the, the, the belt buckle, the bull of the woods. And we didn't own bunkhouse stampede, but I knew we could call it bunkhouse battle Royal and bull of the woods. So when I the landed on, all right, we're definitely doing this. I I knew all along, I wanted to do something with Mance on the show and I kicked around an idea of a singles match, but then I thought, no, this fits him. I mean, he's patterned his look after bunkhouse buck. Mm-hmm. He even claims to be from bucks, North Tennessee, like bunkhouse buck. So I was like, okay, he's gotta be our guy. And the hope was, Hey man, if it gets down, you know, to some major players, maybe they can carry something on with the NWA or MLW or GCW, or there'll be some sort of opportunity to maybe do some long-term storytelling and maybe get some attention on, on Mance Warner, who you and I both think a lot of, Mm -hmm. and, and we thought, man, this guy, I mean, you and I were sort of working on that or I was, 
uh, when AEW like first became a thing, I'm talking to Cody, like, Hey man, of course, man, at the time was under contract, couldn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. And to see him not only win on Sunday, but then know that he's in Columbus on Wednesday tapes that Thursday, YouTube match. And then I'll be damned Friday night had a hell of a match with John Moxley. Yeah. I was like the happiest dude ever. I I hoped that that would happen. Eventually. I didn't think it would happen five freaking days later. So cool. Yeah. You know, there's not everything, but the lot in wrestling is timing. It really is. Mm -hmm. We have, I can tell you this. We have talked about, uh, Mance a lot over the, over the past, including the days when Cody was there. Yeah. But also Mance had broken his leg. Yeah. And in October with Dan Housen, same show, right. right? Right. Same show. And so there was talk about bringing Mance in and then he had broken his leg. And of course he had been under contract to MLW, but, uh, um, when it all happened, I, I reached out to Dawkins. I said, just to make sure he's not under contract and Dawkins said, no, he's clear. So, um, uh, Mance got a text at 3 a.m. Eastern time. I, I don't want, three. I, I don't want to share his real life job, Yeah, but it was a big day for his real life job. Right. And right. there was a lot, you know, that needed to be done in the real life realm of things. And the idea that he had that opportunity, he wasn't going to miss it. Yeah. And of, uh, of my new job, I was so proud to have a big hand in that. I really was, man. Can't thank you enough. I mean, sincerely, that was so cool. I was elated and it was funny because, uh, you know, my sleeping schedule has been fucked up since Nashville, as you can imagine. Yeah. And so, uh, I was watching the show Wednesday Mm -hmm. and I said, uh, Hey, Megan, we got to watch dynamite, which, you know, she was like, what the fuck? Why do we got to watch more wrestling? You know, Mm -hmm. I get that. And I'm like, no, but they, they chased me down through your phone. Cause I had to turn my phone off. So I wouldn't get in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, to ask if they could use a clip from the show yeah. Sunday. So we gotta, we gotta see this mm-hmm. and to see the clip of our little rinky dink indie show on TBS mm-hmm. was badass. Yeah. But then when yeah. it was announced and they showed the graphic that our friend is going to be wrestling the AEW world champion live Friday night on TNT. She just looked at me and was like, is this fucking real? <laughs> and, and it went from, I can't believe we have to watch to, oh my God, I'm so glad we got to watch. And then bam, immediately the remote turned the TV off. Let's go to bed. <laughs> uh, so it, it was fantastic. And she could not wait to see it Friday night. Uh, cause mm-hmm. we just both think a lot of man's and it was such a cool moment. And man, he pulled out all the stops, like suplexes yeah. on chairs and DDTs on oh. stairs. And there was yeah. blood and. I don't know what's to come of it, but I thought he had a fantastic first showing. Yeah, he did. And I was very happy about the, you know, we, we thought, okay, so we're giving him a match on, on elevation to start, but we also need to do something for him, um, to, uh, establish, establish him. So we did this video that we put on social media. It made it on the show too on Friday. Night. I know it did because Tony looked. Tony says we need to have this on the show as part of his entrance. Yeah, and I and I went, yeah, let's do it. And uh, that was Tony. All that was Tony's idea. And c- congratulations to all the guys in production 
who did that on who did that Mance Warner video on their own? Did the shots, you know? The the Was that John uh, Carlo? That was John Carlo. It felt just like John Carlo. Yeah, it was John Carlo, man. By the way, what a talented dude that guy is. I don't know if you oh, saw God. he did a great vignette for us with uh Fatu. Mm-hmm. He did a fantastic one with um Andrade, but maybe my favorite over the weekend. Just an absolute banger of a promo with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett on a boat in Hendersonville. They had 20 minutes before the storms came in and we weren't sure that there was enough time to make anything look cool. Jeff had very little confidence in it, but what came out, it looked like a damn movie. John Carlo is such a talented dude and I'm not trying to pile on any sort of tribalism. But it's amazing to me that he was in the WWE system and they didn't use him that way. And now he's mm-hmm. with AEW and he gets to show everybody what he can do on a weekly basis. That's just crazy to me. We have a lot of talented people in production. We do. And Absolutely. It, makes us, it makes us look, look at the blue robe here. That's the robe that Vince McMahon wore uh, oh. in 2002. Okay. He, he did a little skit where he mocked Ric Flair, put on a robe, or that robe, put on a blonde wig, did the strut. And Rick was like, you know, take that shit off and, and got real serious. And then Vince reached in and pulled the pipe out and <laughs> nailed him with it. And they were set for Royal rumble. Oh, two, that robe right now is in a barber shop in some borough in New York. And it can be yours for something stupid, like 80 grand. <laughs> I only know because every now and again, like someone offered me, I haven't told you this story, but. You know, people hit me up all the time and say, Hey, I found so-and-so I know you're a collector. Are you into it? And it's always something stupid. Shouldn't say always, but those people always sound like Michael Hayes too. A little bit. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, this fucking guy hits me up, uh, who I know. Yeah. And shows me a picture of a belt signed by the undertaker. Now the undertaker never held the belt and the belt wasn't signed on the leather. And if you're going to get your belt signed, most people do it on the leather. He had the undertaker sign the fucking plate, like the main plate, which makes no sense, especially when you consider that the undertaker never held that fucking belt. And then he tries to contend that this was a belt that was used for, I don't know, eight years. And it wasn't, Mm -hmm. uh, it was clearly re-leathered and, uh, probably replated and blah, 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 but it had value. No doubt. But I kind of thought in my mind what it was worth. And then mm-hmm. they quoted like nearly a hundred thousand dollars for this belt, which is unrealistic. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. But I think people just think, oh, well, I can just ask whatever. And yeah. nope, that is not reality. The, the buyer pool for these big ticket items is really, really small. And I don't know. It's just weird. Like it's crazy to me that they think that that barbershop robe, as I call it, has all this crazy value or this random belt signed by the undertaker. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Did you, uh, did you actually, did the seller of this belt actually contact you or is it a third person? So it's a middleman. We had a, we have a mutual friend and that mutual friend, uh, maybe it's a mutual acquaintance. I mean, when we hang out, we're friendly, but like, I haven't seen the dude in years, but he knows me and I know him sort of thing. Yeah. And it took forever to finally get the number. You know, there's all this, spe- uh, well, so-and-so held it. Okay. So-and-so held it. Okay. 
so-and-so, hey man, are you going to tell me what they're looking for? I mean, you contacted me. Is this thing for fucking sale? I mean, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And so, well, I'm working on it. And so then we finally get to that part of the number and I reply, good luck with your sale. Yeah. You're and, awfully generally. And, and he's like, well, would you like for me to, you know, take him an offer or make a counter? No. Like once you've identified yourself mm-hmm. as a fucking idiot, I'm not going to negotiate with you. And by and the way, should... there's a d- bunch of motherfucking idiots that I well, discovered for the first time doing Ric Flair's last match. I'm not going to scorch the earth on all of them, but here's a fun mm-hmm. little story for you. Okay. There's a motherfucker out there who ain't been on TV in decades. Uh-huh. And I thought, Hey, this might be a nice little cameo. This could be cool. Uh-huh. And that person responded with two paragraphs that included instructions of how I was to get $5,000 in cash, wrap it up in an old t-shirt and FedEx it to their house. And then I needed to send a limo service to pick them up and drive them hundreds of miles. Uh And when they arrived at the building, they would call a certain number and someone on my team would have to go out and hand them another t-shirt with $5,000 cash. And then they would come in and do exactly what we needed, which was not wrestle by the way. Are you serious? And I said, nice to meet you. Thank you for your time. Four paragraphs later, no response from me. I've already said, nice to meet you. And thank you for your time. The very next day. Hey, I know $10,000 is out of the budget. Can I get $600? (laughs) We went from $10,000, Tony to $600 in, I don't know, two business days. Uh, and you said, nice to meet you again. I didn't respond. You didn't respond. Once you've identified yourself as a fucking goof idiot, (laughs) I don't want to do business with you. Yeah. Now, if we want to have a realistic conversation and, and negotiate value and opportunities and upside and potential future business or whatever, Hey, I'm all for it. Right. But when you identify yourself as a fucking idiot, (laughs) that's it, Bubba. You are, you are so kind because I would have said, my response was said, you're out of your fucking mind. Have a nice day. Well, I mean, listen, I don't want to, I don't talk to people like that. I don't want to behave that way as a business person, but once I know you're dumb, like, like not like not smart, right. But like, you're trying to take advantage and listen, everybody, you know, there's a lot of stupid people on social media as we know, and a lot of stupid people, they go back and forth. Some days Mm -hmm. I'm a money Mark other days. Um, I'm a grifter. Well, buddy, you can't be both. (laughs) <laughs> either I'm ripping people off or I'm a dumb fucking, uh, idiot who wants to be around wrestling and will lose money to do so. Tony, do our ventures together make money? Yes or no? Yes. Do you reckon I'll keep doing them if they don't? No, it's just like, I can't, you can't be both. So listen, right. if you're going to be mad at me for being a salesman, be mad. Guilty as charged. Right. But the idea that I'm going to run events and lose money, like it kind of shocked me this week when people were like, Oh my God, this Ric Flair's last match thing was successful. You Mm -hmm. fucking think so. (laughs) Have you checked anything I've done? Like I know how to run a P and L. 
Yeah. Like we know how to make money. Like I know how to sell. Did you see the hype, the promotion? Do you think everybody was talking about it for fuck all? No, of course it was successful, but then people hear that it's successful and, or that I have other successful ventures and they ask for $10,000 for something they'd really take 600 bucks for. And by the way, after the limo transfer thing, it went from, I'll get myself there. I need, <laughs> I need 10 grand in cash wrapped up in old paper towels or whatever the fuck he wrote, uh, in a, in a limo transfer. And I won't come in the building and, and then it's, I'll get myself there $600 and just pay me within a month after the show. No, thanks. Please text me this person's name. You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> just crazy. Oh God. Well, unfortunately there are people out there like that. And listen, nostalgia, uh, we have, we have all who worked in the nineties and earlier have benefited from nostalgia, have benefited from knowing you, have benefited from working with you. Well, that's not true to say. Yeah, but there's just some out there that just, well, those are probably the same guys and girls, possibly, that really didn't make it in the business. Well, here's the thing. I've learned that there's a lot of people who aren't in the business, who, who aren't doing more in the business. And I learned through this process. Why? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, there's two age, two quote unquote agents. I'll never fucking do business with again. Mm-hmm. God, those are the worst. I, I'm man. just not going to, I'm not going to be lectured to about business from a motherfucker who sells strawberries on the highway. <laughs> you know, when I try to call you and have a business call and you're like, I'm selling strawberries on the highway. Huh. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Troubles on the highway. What the fuck are we doing? But yeah, there's a there's a whole ro- a couple rosters of folks I won't do business with again because of who their representation is. And if we're going to do a deal, it'll be around them because they're fucking goofs. God, isn't it true? And there's one there's one guy in an office. I can't do it yet, but buddy, I can't wait until. I feel safe in talking about it. Yeah. But I'm going to burn that fucking thing down and I'm going to do it on this very program. (laughs) I'm talking about, he might be the dumbest Mm -hmm. motherfucker Mm -hmm. I have ever met. Not just in wrestling, Mm -hmm. in any business. I'm surprised this person can rub two nickels together. I put an idea. I put idea after idea in front of this person that just were dripping money. Mm-hmm. I bet I told the story of one of these ideas to someone that used to work with that person and they have no love lost mm. and they were slack jawed at how fucking stupid this person was mm-hmm. to not jump on it. It's amazing. Really? Mm. So anyway, I got to know these people. I've got to know these people. I can't wait to tell you. I'll tell you off air. Yeah. And uh, what we need to do is I need to arrange a time where I know you're going to be home and around mm-hmm. right. and, and I'm going to uh, ride over and pick you up and take you mm-hmm. to a, a watering hole. And for one hour, mm-hmm. I will have you holding your sides and laughter on the floor. And mm-hmm. then I'll dump you off all lubricated and ready to tackle Lois. It'll be great. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It, it is amazing to me 
the idiots that are in the world. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, I, and, and I kind of wonder if it's, if it's a lack of intelligence or it's, they were just the way they were brought up. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't get it. I'm glad I'm not one of those. And I'm listen, I'm an idiot about a lot of things, uh, but not that, not when it comes to business. Meanwhile, we're having a hell uh, of a match here that we're yes, talking we are. over, you know, yeah, we are. Sean Waltman and Ric Flair, uh, tearing it up here. Uh, Meltzer didn't like it as much as you and I are though. Uh, okay. star in a quarter. Meltzer would really? say this. This was a sad day to be a Ric Flair fan. A day when Hulk Hogan was a better worker than Flair and not because Hogan was any good. Six works, six works hard to carry Flair, but Flair just didn't have anything. The match was slow early and didn't have much heat. Flair was selling moves that were missing. The finish saw six run into the corner for the Bronco buster, but Flair stuck his foot up and basically caught six in the groin and then pinned him with his feet on the ropes. You never, ever, ever. Saw Meltzer talk about Rick this way. Yeah. So I presume it's accurate. The other thing I wonder though, is it's been said over the years, especially in 1997, that there was no love lost here because flair didn't think that Waltman was a top star. Yeah. And he even felt like in the six man where it was flair Piper and Kevin green, Mm -hmm. that it should have been hall Nash and Hogan, not hall Nash and Waltman. And you and I both understand enough about wrestling to say, well, Waltman will be the guy who can help carry that and make everybody look good. Yeah. Kevin green would not look as great against Hulk Hogan as he would against Waltman. Roddy Piper would not look as great against Walt Hogan as he would against Waltman. Like Waltman's going to sell everything, fly around for you, blah, blah, blah. Well, there it is. That's the finish. Yeah. I'm interesting that Meltzer would say flair sold things that didn't work. Well, that was one of Flair's magic, dude. Yes, it is. But it just makes yeah. me wonder, do you think Meltzer thought Flair was sandbagging him? I'm not saying Flair was sandbagging him. Do you think Meltzer thought that? And that's the reason Yes, I, I do. I think you're right. We're going to see a replay here. And then I think we should take a, uh, a little bit of a briz ache. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to see the replay of the foot and the ding dong. If I had to guess, here it comes. Bobby the brain. Get a look at this. Six coming across that ring. Full throttle. Sudden stop. Ric Flair takes advantage, hooks his toes on the top rope, the dirtiest player in the game. Score now. WCW 2, NWO 1. That's right. So uh, we're counting down as we see the uh, slow motion replay here. Sling Blade licking them lips. 23-20 is where we're going to pause it here, Tony. And I'm there. And, of course, just right on time, if we're talking about Ric Flair, we got to be talking about Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to uh, step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. I got to tell you, Tony, as you know, I had a pretty stressful week last week and just, uh, I don't know, 90 days leading up to this thing. So once it was over, I knew I needed a little uh, special time with the wife. And uh, I knew what she needed. She needed a five-star performance. Well, thanks to Blue Chew, I gave my wiener the hot tag. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. So not only does it probably work faster, I feel like it does for me, but it's also a fraction of the cost, but maybe better than all that. You can take them anytime, day or night. So if you're planning ahead, or maybe you're just ready for a run in, 
The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, they'll get you your prescription within days. Now here's the best part of the whole shooting match. It's all done online. Tony, no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And man, it's time to put on a show. It's time to get to bluechew.com. We've got a special offer right now too, Tone, right? Yeah, if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to reform, Blue Chew can help. Here's the special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I said. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code WHW at checkout. Only thing you got to do is pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code WHW to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more information and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. We come to you from the Blue Chew studios each and every week here on What Happened When. You're damn right. Hey, guys, we really appreciate Blue Chew sponsorship. They've been a day one partner here for Tony and I. Think about that, guys. We're going on six years together. Blue Chew's been here from the beginning. Uh, If you enjoy this program, we want you to try all of our sponsors. Tony and I believe in these sponsors or they wouldn't make our show. But Blue Chew specifically, man, they're OGs for us. And, uh, I think you're really going to like it. I mean, everywhere I go, people are still talking about it. It's become a joke, uh, because it's such a big part of the program, but the results are real. It's no laughing matter. And, and by the way, it's not just for guys who have ED. This is for guys who want to put on a show. Uh, so if you want to feel like you're 17 again, and you want to go, uh, a few extra rounds, man, blue chew can help check them out, support them. And thank you guys so much for giving them a shot. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World Championship Wings! Woo! Woo Wings! Yeah! Woo Woo! Tony, I'm at 123.20, and here we go in three, two, one, play. We're back at it here. And coming up next here, uh, we've got a, a pretty good match. Kurt Henning and Diamond Dallas Page. Now, this is actually the lowest rated match on the show so far. Uh, and in fact, it's the lowest except for the main event. Mm. Three quarters of a star. Meltzer would call it another bad match. Although mm. this one was harder to pinpoint the fault. They were both just way off working with each other. A lot of people were blaming it on the heat page has with so many of the top wrestlers now for the belief that his success has gone to his head because of that heat, his faults are emphasized, maybe overemphasized. That's always been fascinating to me to, to talk about the, the success going to someone's head and how it necessarily affects their standing in the back. Mm. I think it's maybe, a maybe that's just a snapshot of where we are in America. We love to build people up and we love to tear them down. He's in the middle of a great year, DDP. Uh, and, and he's becoming a made man. Thanks to Randy Savage. And of course, at this point, Kurt's only been around for a, a hiccup. I mean, he just debuted the, the prior month, uh, at the pay-per-view 
And now here he is one month later, but I still think at this point, and again, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead. I think at this point, a lot of folks maybe still believe he's Mr. Perfect, but this is not the 1990 or 1991 Kurt at this point. He's had a severe back injury, been on the sidelines. He's a little heavier than he was. He just, he doesn't perform like the Mr. Perfect of old. And I think maybe the audience and the boys in the back hadn't figured that out yet. And so Mm -hmm. when there's a match, that's not quote unquote, perfect, pardon the pun, they think, well, it can't be his fault. It's gotta be the other guy's fault. Right. I don't know that that's fair. You know, throughout, throughout, uh, all the years that I've been in wrestling. Yeah. Um, there's always been, it's just the product of, of our, of our business, I think, and being on TV and, and trying to move up the ladder and trying to get a quote unquote spot. But there's always been feeling that there's been some guys out there who have let their success go to their head. And I have a feeling that is that way in every type of entertainment. I'm sure there's movie stars out there that, that when they're on set, there are other movies. Holy smokes. What was I talking about? <laughs> okay. Kimberly Bacon uh, will make you forget a few things. Yes. There I'm sure that there there are movie stars out there that other movie stars say, you know what? The success has gone to their head. And I, I'm I'm sure with in the music business, in the video business, video game business, uh, there's that. Because there are egos out there that are like that, you know. But uh I thought uh yeah, D- Diamond Dallas Page was outspoken. Diamond Dallas Page put a lot of effort into his character. We all know that. We've talked about that so many times. And to me, whatever Diamond Dallas Page did to me was gold. Because he was, he is the, uh, that guy doesn't look like he's wants to be there. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, to me, was what every wrestler should be. And that is, and Jericho was much like that as well. Put time and effort into yourself and your character. Yeah. And make it work. He cared. He cared. And because he cared. And I, there are some people out there that think, you know, he and Bischoff are good friends, and that's why he's getting a, a prime spot. Bullshit. Bull, bullshit is right. Absolute bullshit. By the way, since we're over here, Mutual Admiration Society for DDP, mm-hmm. how about that fucking pop for him last Sunday night? Yeah. That was pretty fucking cool, wasn't it? Dude, I uh I knew it was coming, obviously, and I wound up for that segment, just the second half of that match, mm-hmm. seated in Gorilla next to Brian James. Yeah. And he's got his headset on and calling all the shots and working his ass off back there. And I uh I heard that big pop for the diamond cutter and then self high five hit and yeah. I held my forearm up. I tapped him on the arm. He mm-hmm. looked my way. I held my forearm up and he goes, Oh, me too, dude. And I just thought it was cool. Cause in my head, this dude's fucking been around every piece of wrestling for the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, whether it was WrestleMania or, or TNA or, I mean, him being in the ring, whatever, but it's just cool that DDP still has that connection with the audience that he can get that kind of reaction. And knowing that he's such a good guy in real life, I was just really happy for him. And my arm hair stood up and Mm. 
his did too. And I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of cool. And of course, everybody now is like, Hey man, when's DDP's last match guys. Can Uh I, can I just, Uh can I just have a fucking week off before I start sailing again? (laughs) Just give me a goddamn week, please. (laughs) But he did look like a million bucks. He's in fantastic shape. And that diamond cutter, that was awesome. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it feels to me that Kurt doesn't want to do some of the things that Dallas wants to do here. Well, let's read what Meltzer says. Uh, okay. a lot of, um, at one point they had three sequences in a row that were terribly mistimed. The first ref bump came when page had Henning pinned and Henning kicked out with page landing on Mark Curtis. Henning undid the padding on the turnbuckle and ran page into it. Page came out bloody, which supposedly was a hard way. Although many in the company are skeptical of that. So we got to watch that. Okay. Either way though, it took way too long to get up and still count three, which is probably why Paige was kicking out at the finish. Just a bad night for all concerned. Yeah. But I want to see this supposed blood. You know, we've heard about that before. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania eight, um, big debate, you know, Hey guys, uh, you can't get color. That's the order from Vince McMahon, Ric Flair and macho man go do it anyway. And they wind up getting fined. Mm. Bret Hart and Roddy Piper do it anyway, but they both maintain it was a hard way. They review the cameras and they can't catch them doing the magic. So they don't get fined. But of Mm. course, in reality, Bret took care of business. Right. Uh, so I've always loved the idea of, Hey, you can't. And then guys trying to say, but it's a hard way, but I didn't remember that being a controversy here. So I can't wait to see if we can find the moment when it happens or not. Yeah, you and I have talked about that, so so we'll see. You know what? Something hit me too as as uh, Diamond Dallas is walking to the ring. What? Maybe the match was the flare match was shit on because wasn't it odd to see Ric Flair in the middle of a card? Yeah, but he was doing that a lot in this era. You know, he the year prior he was working with Conan for the U.S. title and shit like that. But I agree with you. You know, he's still Ric Flair. He's I mean, still Ric Flair. And I just took, right. uh, I just took Bischoff the task earlier this week on 83 weeks, because we talked about, you know, bringing Mongo in to be a big part of nitro. And so mm-hmm. I asked, you know, Hey, why were you in that seat? And there's a spot for Mongo, but not a spot for Tony Schiavone. And I also asked, Hey, when you made the announcement of nitro, that's where you sort of debuted Mongo in a big way for the press at the Harley Davidson cafe press conference and all that. Yeah. And I understand it's a media thing and I understand you're trying to put your big baby faces over. And certainly you didn't spend all that money on Hogan and macho man for them not to be there. And I get that sting has been your colorful flamboyant franchise baby face. So I understand why he's there. And I understand that you're trying to get some press for Mongo, some mainstream attention, but no Ric Flair. Now I understand in quote unquote kayfabe, maybe you don't want three good guys and one bad guy. I get that, but no Ric Flair. And he yeah. acknowledged, yeah, I should have did that better. Hmm. I mean, it just, I, I'm glad that he can get to that spot now, but it was very apparent to me that for most of the time that Flair worked for Bischoff here in WCW, Bischoff just thought he was a second fiddle guy. It's oh. about Hogan. It's about Piper. It's about Savage. And then eventually it's about the NWO and Goldberg 
And oh yeah, if there's time left over, Ric Flair too. I think he saw Ric Flair in like, I don't mean this to be disparaging at all because I think you we both know we like him a lot. I think he saw him in more of the Lex Luger. I think even Lex would say, "Well, it's Ric Flair and then Lex Luger," but I think the way it was positioned, it was kind of same vein. There's another thing that Eric Bischoff could not get out of his mind and could not get out of his thought process, no matter how much. We tried at times. Don't say we tried this all the time. Ric Flair was, look at that. Did you see that? Unbelievable. That, that was fucking horrible. Uh, there were times Ric Flair to, represented NWA, Old Southern Wrestling, to Bischoff because he was the face of Jim Crockett Promotions yeah. and the Carolinas and Georgia and all that. Eric Bischoff very much wanted to make us a national promotion and wanted to get out of the Southern wrestling that WCW represented. Right. And so I'm thinking he thought Ric Flair was part of that. Mm -hmm. So that I have a feeling that's part of his thought process at that time. I told you many times that I was promoting one of our events coming to Winston Salem, North Carolina. And I said, we're going to be at the Lawrence Joel Memorial Coliseum, home of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And Bischoff crawled up my ass about that. He said, no one gives a shit about Wake Forest. No one gives a shit about the Demon Deacons. And I said, then why are we running the town? And yes, they do, because it's ACC basketball, which is known nationwide to being the top basketball conference. In my defense, I was saying that. But he was just like, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who gives a shit? And so that was Eric because of it being in North Carolina, wanting to, NASCAR did the same thing. You know, NASCAR completely fucked themselves over because they alienated everybody in the South. And now they're running Las Vegas and they're running, you know, all these different places. Chicago. Hey, pay attention right here. Here we go. It fucking, right. looked, it fucking looked hard way, didn't it? I'm just saying he did touch his forehead, but it was so fast. I mean, uh-huh. it wasn't, it wasn't the usual motion you would expect right. either. The only thing it takes sometimes is just a little touch, right? But I mean, but do you yeah. think he, I mean, okay, look at, look at his left hand. <laughs> look at us. We're breaking this apart. Yeah, we're both trying his left to hand, his left hand looked like, I don't know. Did he touch himself with his left hand? It was his right hand. Okay. And here's the thing. He would have had to have it taped like flair. Right. Right. Like exactly. On the tape because he didn't do one of these deals. It was like he did this. Yeah. And so right. now if he had, but I mean, it feels like that would have hurt somewhere else. And even the placement, it was like the center. Like, yeah, I don't know. Perfect plex. Two. He kicked out. Tell you what, too. He yeah, he's if, if it was just a touch, he's going to have a lot of blood for just a touch, isn't he? Yes. I, I got to say, I think it might be a hard way. And, mm-hmm. and they're clearly trying to shoot around it. They went wide. Yeah. So all your tight camera shots, those are gone. Right. Jesus, why? This is pay per view, guys. Oh, he. Now, I think. That was not if Kirk good. comes up bleeding. If Kirk comes up bleeding, he did gang himself. 
DDP's kind of over with these bikers. They're throwing up the diamond mm. signs. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh fucking real. <laughs> I think I think Richard's supposed to come out based on what we read earlier. Okay. By the way, as a reminder, you had uh, Palace of Auburn Hills uh, just a handful of days before this on the fourth. This is the ninth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two days later, Denver, Colorado, the Coliseum, yeah. 7,400 fans. Mm. Colorado Springs got a Saturday night taping the next day. Mm-hmm. And then August 16th, little house show Jones here in Huntsville, Alabama at the Vaughn Braun Civic Center. Wow. Scotty Riggs over Dave Taylor, Chris Jericho over Alex Wright, Steiners over Norton and Bagwell, Jarrett over Benoit, Flair over six. And the giant would beat Kevin Nash by DQ two days later, nitro in Birmingham. And then famously the very last clash of the champions later this same month, August 21st, 1997. Interestingly enough, that last clash of the champions, you want to guess where it was, Tony? It was Greensboro, North Carolina, the Nashville municipal auditorium. Wow. I would say Greensboro because that's where the first one was. Here's Mean Gene. Let's track him. Red hot tonight here from Road Wild, but we have an exclusive report regarding this ongoing thing between Raven and Stevie Richards, the King of Swing. We happen to know, Mark Madden and myself, who Raven's first opponent will be in World Championship Wrestling. We can't talk about it here on the air. However, we have the inside story all night tonight, right on up until midnight on the WCW hotline. And by the way, shortly after 11 o'clock Eastern time, we will have all of the results from here in Sturgis, South Dakota at Road Wild. Tell your friends about it and give us a call. 1-900-909-9900. That's 1-900-909-9900. Call the hotline right now. Up next for WCW, get ready for Fall Brawl. Hmm. What is anger? What is rage? What if we locked it up with eight men trapped in a 40 by 20 steel cage? Oh, who's gonna break loose? It's time for rage in the cage. WCW's Paul Brawl, Sunday, September 14th. I know when I want to buy a pay per view in 1997. <laughs> I want to see public enemy high voltage and Scotty Riggs. God, we just, Oh, look at this Bischoff doing a little. You're going to pay a very, very dear price. So maybe it was a vanity project. Maybe <laughs> part of it. Part of it was. It was. By the way, All picked right. a good month to do it too, because realistically, this is the same month as SummerSlam, and depending on who you ask, that's the second or third biggest show of the year for them. Obviously, yeah. WrestleMania is number one. People go back and forth on is it Rumble or SummerSlam. To me, uh, man, how about the facial hair on that fella? It's uh, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, then Royal Rumble. Would you agree, agree. with that? Yes, I do. Here we go. Giant and Randy Savage. And this has one of the most hilarious write-ups in the history of the observer to me. 
Okay. Savage, with Savage tried a slam at the beginning, but collapsed under Giants' weight. There were lots of engines revving during this match, which is biker's heat. I don't know why. <laughs> the engines revving is biker's heat. Just fucking got all over me a minute ago. Jesus. Biker's heat. NWO, baby. There's a you know thought process that obviously that NWO really worked for the bikers. Black, right? Mm-hmm. Rebels. Rebels. By the way, shout out to our buddy Rebel. Tremendous. I, I don't know why. I just, I guess we wanted the name Rebel. Just thought about that. Yeah, so I've run out of things to talk about. No, we haven't. <laughs> Let's talk about your favorite moment from last Sunday. You texted me about it this week. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about it on the program, but he's a big part of our show. Interviewing Flair? No. Oh, Jimmy Valiant thing? No. Uh, it's Super Dave! <laughs> You went out of your way to text me this week. It's my yeah. favorite part of the show. Yeah, it was. And I talked about him being beat up by a goose. On oh TV. yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as we knew we were doing Ric Flair's last match, mm-hmm. I knew I was going to find a way to get a ref bump in. Yeah. And I wanted him to slide in and make the, the pin on Rick's last match. Yeah. But I knew I couldn't tell him ahead of time. Right. So I waited and told him the morning of, I thought about telling him the night before, but I realized this little fucker won't sleep. Right. So I made sure I told him the morning of, mm-hmm. uh, and I pulled him to the side and I said, Hey man, you know how things are in wrestling. This could change, yeah. but here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And he was, I asked, I said, Hey man, can you do the run down the ramp and slide under the ropes. Are you sure you can do that? He goes, yeah. I said, you're sure you can do that. You don't have to practice. He goes, no, I got it. I'm like, okay. And so when he did it, mm-hmm. it got all over Cassio because <laughs> Cassio's like, dude, how about that slide from pond water? I said, man, he crushed it. Didn't he? Yeah. He goes, no, no. Did you see it? And I said, yeah, I saw it. And he goes, you ever been to sea world? <laughs> and I'm like, what? He goes, you ever been to SeaWorld? I said, well, I mean, I think when I was a kid, he goes, you know how them whales get up on the fucking platform, get a, get a swimming start and just jump out of the water and get on that platform and hold their head up and hold their tail up and just slide on their big ass belly. And I said, yeah, he goes, pond water shamooed the fuck out of that slide. Did he not? And I said, what do you mean? He said, it was like in Mario when you turn them turtles upside down, just they just slide. <laughs> Well, pond water's got that big hard shell, that big derby, just pew. <laughs> and I watched the replay and I was like, God damn, he's exactly right. That's exactly what it was. And so then afterwards, the roasting from Cassio was not done. Mm. He goes, Hey man, season backstage afterwards. Great job. He goes, man, it was the coolest thing that ever happened in my whole life or whatever. Pond water was so excited. And which is the reason we wanted to do it. You know, that dude has a a whole Ric Flair room in his house. Like there's a room dedicated to Ric Flair. Sure. So the idea that he gets to 
and he's a great referee and has been for a long time, but the idea that he gets to do that was yeah. mean a lot to him. So I was like, yeah, sure. sure. If I'm going to do this. Why can't I take care of my friends? Exactly. So he had a great time and Cassio just sees an opportunity now to do what we do and bust balls. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm surprised you were able to do that slide. And he goes, wow, I've been practicing. And just the idea I've been practicing got all over Cassio. But then he said, no, I meant, I thought your little wiener would have been hard and you'd have fucking broke it <laughs> trying to slide in and, and super Dave pun water. Dave doesn't miss a beat. And he goes, well, I mean, I hit it on the apron <laughs> and now we're all laughing, thinking this motherfucker ran to the ring with an erection because <laughs> he was so excited to be there for Ric Flair's last match. And so as I just tilt my head, like, did he just say what I think he said? He goes, thank God there ain't much to break. <laughs> it just got all over me. A bigger man may have had an issue yeah. at old pond water that day for the first yeah. time in his life, mm-hmm. having a, a bite-sized wean was in his favor. <laughs> Cause if he had a normal human hog, mm. whew, could have spelled disaster for his little ass. It was a great moment. It was a very, as far as our crew is concerned and our friendship that we've built over the last, I don't know how many years, you know, you know, Dave was there when I almost died, as we know. Yes. Uh, true. Uh, so I've known Dave for a number of years and really, really like him. He sent me, uh, one of these, uh, Look at the way he just picked Liz up. Did you see that? Yes, I did. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he sent me one of these, uh, pops. What are they called? Mm-hmm. Funko pops, Funko pops, the spam can mm. Funko pop, which I appreciate. Uh, so it was, it was just the right thing to do and didn't know he was coming down. Had no idea what this finish would be. No one told me, which is fine. I had no idea what any finish would be. Uh, I, I know there was a meeting, okay? And I know that they went over who was going over in all these me in this meeting. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I, I didn't listen to much of the meeting. Well, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Once yeah. you knew that um, all the business was taken care of, it didn't really matter. But even on the format, which, uh, yeah. which we did, yeah, it says second ref. Mm-hmm. So we know Kyoto is there. Yeah. And and it says second ref. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't want, I didn't know, Hey man, will he be at a production meeting? Will he see, I didn't want him to read it before or somebody to tell him, Hey man, congratulations. So right. Right. It just right. said second ref. Yeah. But yeah. Hey man, mission accomplished. When, when, when the night was over, Rick was happy and Mance Warner was thrilled mm-hmm. and Pondwater was tickled. Mm-hmm. And then seeing what's happened, you know, with Mance since, and I don't know that you saw, uh, but killer cross who had Scarlett in his corner and wrestled, uh, mm-hmm. Davy boy Smith jr. On our show, yep. he came out at the end of SmackDown and got into right. it with drew McIntyre. He's already in the main event picture just days after our show. It's like, that's good. That's good. Dude. That makes me so happy. Like the idea that we had so many of these folks on our show and, and now they're enjoying so much success. I'm not claiming any credit for that. Like uh, that has nothing to do. One has nothing to do with the other, right. but it is a nice little feather in the cap to say, Hey, we had one of their last shows before they went on to the big stuff. Good stuff. 
so when Pond Water Dave runs out, mm-hmm. I mean, it, this Super Dave thing was completely adly. I didn't know he was coming out. Right. And I thought it would be better. It, it, I had to make it quick, but I thought it would be best to say Super Dave instead of Pond Water Dave. I agree. Pond yeah. Water is too inside for our podcast. Right, right. I don't know if you've seen, but that little fucker has since changed all of his social media to whatever yeah. you called him. <laughs> uh, and, and he's no longer just pond water. Dave. Now he's the yeah. referee and his profile photos, him and his JCP thing. His local news came and interviewed him. They had a whole thing on him in Mississippi on the news about local man was the guy to count three in Ric Flair's last match. That's isn't that great. It's so, good, uh, it makes me so happy, dude. Yes. Or a good guy. Absolutely. Yeah. He sent me a text afterwards. I was going to try to find it and read it. Oh, there's. There's my text chain with Shuley and, uh, and, uh, Casio. That was hilarious. Hey, shout out to Mark Nielsen, by the way, you know, longtime friend of the show, sadly passed away at the end of May, but we have, uh, he and I had been really, really good friends since 2013, uh, talked, I don't know, 38 times a day ever since through our group chat. And then just all of a sudden, man, he was gone uh, at the end of May. So that bunkhouse battle Royal trophy that we awarded Mance Warner we didn't just buy one of those Austin Hall boots. We bought a pair and we bronzed mm-hmm. them both. And on the outside of those boots down with a little pull tab where you would pull them on, it says bunkhouse engraved on the boot on the inside. It has the initials M N. Uh, that's our little tribute for Mark Nielsen. So, oh, very cool. We didn't just give one to Mance. We gave the identical matched pair to, uh, Mark's longtime girlfriend, Allison. Who's mm-hmm. uh, helped us out with a lot of our Starcast stuff, and just a, a, not only a friend of the show, but a part of our extended family. And we made sure to give her that that boot before all the craziness got kicked off with Starcast. And I'm just really glad that we got to celebrate Mark's legacy a little bit. He's actually the guy who named Starcast, so wow, pretty cool to uh, have all that fun stuff happen for our friends that weekend. I went to see Allison made it a point to go see Allison and say hello to her and hug her. How about macho man doing the job for the giant there? Clean. No problem. Clean. Absolutely. Big choke slam. No problem. I'll get that big fucker over. Yeah. Randy's was always a pro. Meltzer would say uh, short and uneventful with no build, but there was nothing bad about it either. One star and coming up next, we've got the Steiners versus Holland Nash. Fans are really into the Steiners. Meltzer would say coming out on bikes didn't hurt their cause. Uh, this is the match with all the controversy though, because as you know, the signers were supposed to win the tag champ, the tag titles, and they do not, mm. uh, it's going to be a star in three quarters. Uh, the signers are going to get the win, but it'll be by DQ. And then it's time for our main event, man, with, yeah. uh, Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger. This has been a better show than I recall. And yeah. I got to tell you the, the look of the show is a lot cooler at night. And I understand, yes. you know, it's the time difference and. Uh, you know, just the time of year and all that, but it looks a lot cooler at night. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, going back just a couple of ticks here. I just think it's amazing that Melcher would talk about that match. See, uh, and say, Hey, uh, <laughs> girl wanted to flash us, uh, and would I'm, I'm, I'm surprised we didn't have uh real flashing, you know, um, Real titty flashing. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's, it's surprising me that Melcher says, not a bad match either, one star. So if it's not a bad match, why do you give it a fucking one star? Right. I don't get that. 
anyway, so here we're into the politics. Also, I remember, you know, I would drive to Denver after the show, right after the show I'd drive because we had an off day on Sunday. So I would just drive all night to Denver. And I remember, and this is before GPS and, you know, iPhones and all that stuff. We had a map and there would be a a road that would be able to cut off between interstates, just like a cut through. I remember because we'd end up late that night and it'd be, and I would be driving. And I, and I drove it by myself one time. One time I think I drove with Heenan. But that one time I drove it by myself and going through the, one of the back roads there, there were deer laying. This has nothing to do with anything, but I, it sticks in my mind. Deer laying on the road, like four of them just laying on the road. And I'm thinking, hmm, I guess not many cars come through here at this time of night because they were just, there's a good look at the, the black Hills, man. I, I, South Dakota is a cool state, man. If you, I've if never, never, I've been, never been. Yeah. It's, it's worth it because we got to see, uh, Mount Rushmore. I think there's a couple other monuments there somewhere. One to, uh, and then of course there's a uh, Deadwood, which is a, uh, a casino town that's kind of stuck in the middle of a couple mountains. I think Kevin Costner owned that town at one time. It that, may not be there anymore. I think that's the town where they invented the phrase cocksucker. Really? I think so. Okay. Did you see that show on HBO years ago? Deadwood? No, I heard it was a great show though. They said that word a lot. Okay. And me being a younger person at the time it came out, I thought, man, this must've been where they invented that word. Because mm-hmm. that can't be an old saying. Yeah. No, right. Yeah, no, right. Okay. So I'm looking it up here. You're looking at Historic- where cocksuckers from? No. Deadwood is a city in South Dakota known for its gold rush history. And uh, what to do? Attraction. Historic Deadwood. South Dakota. Absolutely. They have casinos everywhere. It's a pretty, it's a pretty cool website. It's deadwood.com. And again, a lot of casinos, a lot of, a lot of history there. And it is worth South Dakota's a great city. Uh, I'm sorry. Great state. It's worth going to. And it's one of the, uh, the real hidden gems of this country. You know, we think about going out West. We think about Colorado and, we think about Nevada and California and all that, but check out South South Dakota. All right, here we go. Political match number one. <laughs> Political match. You do realize that I know uh I know Kevin Nash is big and strong, okay? But if the Steiners really don't want to lose this match, they're not going to. You do realize that. If the Steiners would ever go into the business for themselves in the ring, you were probably fucked. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yes. It's up to them. What happens? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I saw Scotty at uh, Starcast. I said, where's your brother? He's down at the end there. And I went down to him and said something to him. And he came up out of his seat like he was going to chase me up through. 
and I, and I ran, I've, I hold my fat ass away because I'm thinking if I turn around, he's still going to be there, which he wasn't even at, uh, even in his sixties, Rob Rick Steiner is a bad motherfucker <laughs> and, and will be forever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he has that look on his face, that smile on his face that he really, really wants to fuck you up. And he just, he doesn't realize, you know, I'm, I'm an old dough boy motherfucker. I can't, you can't really pull and tug on me. I shouldn't have said it that way. Sorry. Well, you can pull and tug on a lot of things. <laughs> thanks to bluechew.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. <clears throat> Please mark that. Uh, oh, Big boy came in and look at Rick. They knew how to throw. They knew how to throw punches, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, of course they do their thing. And what do we do? We have the camera on the guys downstairs. There you go. Finally get to it. Someone said to me, "So what if Craig Leather shows up?" At StarCast, I said, you better not talk in my ear. Which, by the way, a shout-out to Josh Matthews. Never worked with him before. How was he? Great job. And I told him afterwards. I said, buddy, you did a great job in, in as producing me. I really appreciate you. Our line producer, I learned. Yeah. How about Keith Mitchell hanging around and, and his son, <laughs> Matt Mitchell, not Cassio Kid, another Matt Mitchell. Uh-huh. Three months ago, I thought A1 was something that belonged on a sirloin. Now I know now, that's what Matt Mitchell does. Yeah, uh, Matt Mitchell's A one. A two is in the arena. That's what when I used to uh used to do Georgia football and Georgia basketball. That's the first thing I did when I one of the first things I did after I set up the equipment, I'd look around for an ESPN guy and say, Who's your A two? And the A two was the guy that made sure that I got the the feed from the truck for the Nat sound, you know, the crowd noise. The basketball, the dribble, you know, you would hear the, uh, sometimes if it was done right, you would hear the, uh, the basket, the ball hit the basket, uh, or hit the rim. So the A2 did that. And yes, Keith Mitchell was around. I told Keith, I said, keep hanging around. You're going to be unretired. I don't think we have to worry about that. <laughs> I don't either, but it was great to see him. And again, Josh Matthews did a great job. And, um. Uh, I really appreciate what he did that night. Overall, great night. And I, I do want to say I want to get this probably as good a time as any, although we have a real good, I think a real good high-impact match here going on. Um, Rick Flair's interview after it was over, um, I, you and I talked about me being there, and there was really no confirmation from anybody. So I, I, I did tell somebody I am going to go. Oh, I told Josh Matthews on a talk back. I said, I'm going to go down when Ric Flair does his interview at the end. And so Josh made sure we had a microphone for me and they brought out a microphone. So I go down there and you're there. Megan's there. Wendy, grandchildren, friends are all around. And he, and it was a very, very emotional moment. And I teared up Yeah, to be very honest with you. I really did. I really teared up and I didn't think I would. I did, didn't even hit. 
It didn't even hit me that it was going to be that emotional. But it was really, really a very good spot. And uh, How about that meme that went viral the next day of you with your hand on his shoulder backstage at Starcade 83? Yeah. 40 years later, you with your hand on his shoulder at his last yeah. match. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I was very, very, I would, that made me smile when I saw that didn't even, it, I, it didn't even uh, occur to me, but that was with everybody there. It was very emotional. So I'm glad I was part of it. It really was. And I got to drive straight home afterwards and do two podcasts and, uh, control centers and, it was a busy Monday for me. But anyway, we got a good match going on here. I think I, I'm enjoying it so far. I love the Steiners. I love seeing Scott Hall do his thing and his yeah. little choke slam on uh, Scott Steiner a minute ago was really impressive. Yeah. I mean, normally you see these choke slams from guys who were, you know, seven footers, but Scott Hall had a really good look. Everything Scott Hall did look good. We talked earlier about how. Conan was just cool. Something about Scott Hall, man. Same thing. Tony Schiavone could wear the exact same outfit as Scott Hall, and Tony Schiavone looked like a fucking goof. <laughs> and Scott Hall looked like the most badass motherfucker that ever lived wearing the exact same shit. Uh-huh. And that's not saying anything negative about Tony. That's saying a whole lot positive about Scott Hall. One of the coolest ever to uh ever to wrestle. And one of the better wrestlers ever in the ring. One of the better in-ring performers. Mm. I guess his coming out party was when he became Razor Ramon, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's when he hit it big. Right. I wasn't even watching wrestling back then. And you weren't watching the WWF, I don't think. No, I was not, but I didn't watch, um, well, I, I quit watching SummerSlam 92. It was like my last show. I remember. Yeah. And I tuned in, I was actually in the hospital, but I tuned in for the very first Monday night raw. And then I was like, I don't really care about this anymore. And I was done until I'm flipping through the channels in, uh, August of, uh, or maybe September. Yeah, it was August of 1996. And I see Hulk Hogan standing there in all black. And I'm like, what is this? And wait, this isn't USA. What? WCW has Hulk Hogan? Mm. And he's a bad guy? Mm. I was in. I can't imagine you taking a sabbatical from wrestling. Dude, I did. I quit watching it's, then. And yeah. then in uh, January of 06, uh, after the Royal Rumble, I was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And then it was uh, June 28th. 2011, I came back, uh, from Vegas and I saw, I was there for my, my 30th birthday was June 27th. So the mm. day after I'm, I'm home and trying to recover. Cause as you can imagine, I didn't sleep much in Vegas. Mm. And so I'm scrolling through my iPad and I see everybody talking about CM Punk, who I remembered from Oh four when he was doing Indies and, and doing a great job with ring of honor. And 
everybody's talking about this promo. So I went out of my way to see it. Well, it turns out when I was in Vegas for my 30th birthday, he was in Vegas doing the pipe bomb promo. Wow. So I saw that promo and I was like, man, that's fucking pretty cool. But I still didn't get back into it. Fast forward the end of 2012. I'm back in Vegas for a UFC with my friends scrolling through my iPad again, this time on eBay. I run across a Ric Flair robe, like a real one, not a, not a $300 replica, but like, oh wait, I remember that robe. So I got all hot and bothered to think, man, I got to fucking get one of these. This would be like getting one of Elvis's jumpsuits. That's fucking cool. <laughs> and then I got it and I'm like, what the fuck do I do with it? Like, I don't even know. This seemed like a good idea, but like, yeah. how do you display something like this? And then I thought, well, I don't know, maybe I can put it on a mannequin or something in like a game room. But then I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I should probably put a belt on it. So I started Googling big gold belt and I found that the most screen accurate one at the time was made by Dave Milliken. Well, I looked him up and he's in Tennessee. So I thought, well, shit, I'll just order one from this guy. Did a little research and thought, Hey, wait a minute. Your website has the old Ric Flair nameplate from the original belt. Do you know where that is? And he goes, yeah, my friend has it, but he'll never sell it. And I said, well, hypothetically I'd be a buyer at blank price. And two days later, he says, hypothetically, my friend agreed. Uh, so even though it wasn't for sale, it is now here's his information. And so then I realized, well, shit, that was easy. Let me just go find the belt. So I started asking people doing some research and figured out, Hey, I think I can find this thing fast forward two weeks later. And, uh, after a shoebox full of cash, I got it. And then I was like, dude, that was fun. Can I do that again? <laughs> and I kind of got into back into wrestling just from chasing this old stuff down. Cause it was just fun to figure out, Hey, whatever happened to, right. I wonder who has sure before I knew it, I quit collecting belts and I started collecting people. I got Bruce Pritchard. I got Tony Schiavone. I got Eric Pischoff. I got the collectors. Yeah. So I started with robes and belts. Then I wound up a hall of famers. Oh, and I guess I collected a wife along the way too. So it worked out. You sure did. You sure did. Not only did you get the robe and the belt, you got the family. Hey man, I, I'm the ultimate collector. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. huh. Oh, that's a great story. Great, great story. I just can't imagine you though. Your life without wrestling now. And how I, you know, I, I, I've put a lot of stuff down it. where I just don't have time for it. And then I never yeah. look back. Like I used to take off work the day the NCAA football came out on a game system. Like, I mean, even though I was operating at a high level, I would, I'd take the day off because I wanted yeah. to be able to play that game as much as I could. And you I mean the, the game same. that made the game that made billion billions of dollars, but didn't pay one of the athletes one dime. Well, I did that for Madden too, mm -hmm. but yes. Yeah. The point is I loved those games. I played grand theft auto once upon a time. I played call mm -hmm. of duty. You know, when those, when those games really got good, when they went yeah. from pretty good to really good, I played this too, but it was like, once I got busy enough with my professional life, it was like, all right, do I want to spend this time building my business or playing fucking video games? And once I said it out loud, I was like, well, that's it. And I haven't picked yeah. up a controller since. And I kind of did that with wrestling too. Right. Where I felt like it was just like, man, I'm, I've invested too much into this. Yeah. And I just, I got to focus on my business and I just, I cut out everything that wasn't business. And now I know that now I can see, well, that probably wasn't the right answer either. Everybody needs something. Uh, but I didn't imagine that I'd be doing all this happy horse shit yeah. with you. That's for sure. Well, it was the right answer back then. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it really was. So, uh, let's play halo.
<laughs> hey, listen, you know what? I'm for it. Like I, I'm, yeah. I wouldn't be any good at it. I'd have to figure out how to reacclimate myself, but yeah, it won't take long. I used to be pretty competitive. Like when I was in college, we would go, like we would play those football games for money. Mm-hmm. Like we had house rules and everything about when you get wow. up by this many points, we turn it off and all that. But yeah. I mean, as a 19, 20 year old, I got up to playing for like $500 a game. Wow. Didn't Jesus start that Christ. way, but it got that way. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, I found myself in some pretty, uh, dicey spots where people were not happy that I beat the fuck out of them. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it was fun. It was competitive and a lot of trash talk, mm-hmm. which you've probably heard. I, I, I had an acumen for mm, <laughs> so. you're the, you're the world champ. <laughs> well, a lot of that was honed. In like black fraternity houses, talking shit as the only white guy in there, whooping them, playing uh, video games, and then realizing I should probably tone some of this back. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe this is like my mom used to say, "A dab will do you." <laughs> hey, wow we we got a we got a pretty good bumping match going on here. I mean, really, it is a good match. Yes, it is. And there's lots of action, and the fans yeah. seem with it. Yeah. And it's, it's remarkable the, the way I feel just the lighting going from daytime to nighttime. It just feels different. It feels bigger now. Does it not? Mm -hmm. It does. Because you can make it when the house is dark, you can make it feel bigger. I love this man. Scotty just pulling the other Scotty's leg. Trying to reach out on both ends. Four guys know what the fuck they're doing here. Oh, big time. I mean, you talk about in my mind, I mean, listen, there's all this debate about who's the greatest tag team. And I'm not here to decide that. Is it the rock and roll express? Is it Arn and Tully? Is it the midnight express? I can't answer any of that. Who was my favorite of all time? The Steiners. Yeah. Well, I think, listen, I think the Steiner brothers are. And that is not a knock on Ricky and Robert or Dennis and Bobby, or by the way, I got to see Dennis Condry for the first time. It was great seeing him. Uh, I'm glad to see he's, he seems to be doing okay. How about that, uh, man? We had JJ Dillon running around mm-hmm. Barry Windham, yeah. Tully Blanchard. Yeah. Dennis Condry, baby doll, boogie, mm-hmm. woogie man. Yeah. Bob Cottle opened the show, mm-hmm. closed the show. Some really fun, old school tip of the cap stuff. And there it is. We thought we were getting a clean finish. No, we are not. We're getting a DQ. They're celebrating like they won the tag titles, but of course we know they did not. Yeah. All that leaves is a Hulk Hogan, man. You know what? Uh, kudos to Scott and, uh, and Rick. Okay. Yeah. They're cheering. Like they won the titles, making it seem big. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and that's good. Given to get, it's a good moment. Yeah. And Ted DiBiase. Well, we get a fuck finish and move on those belts. Who has them? Do you know? Uh, WWE. Oh, okay. WWE has those in their, uh, travel case right now. Speaking of WWE, how's Bruce doing? Have you talked to him? He's good, man. You know, he's, uh, obviously there's a lot of, uh, things are changing up yonder. Yeah. A lot going on. Uh, the reason I, 
the reason I ask is I sent him a text just to ask him how he was doing as a friend. Yeah. And he didn't respond. Well, don't take that personally. He's missed some yeah. of mine too. Um, yeah. we've got another mutual friend of ours that you work pretty closely with and uh-huh. I'll text him and not hear anything for weeks. And then I'll yeah. get, get 38 in a row. Uh, right. So I've just learned they're busy. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you, you know what? I'm busy too. So the next time you tell Bruce, you see Bruce, you say, Shivani said, go fuck yourself. I'll be glad to. <clears throat> okay. Um, matter of fact, I'll call him right now. Anyway, let me just call him right now and tell him. I got to see his, I got to see his brother, which is great. I'm calling him. Now, now I don't call him. I'm going to call him. It's Sunday morning. Give him a chance to sleep. Jesus. Anyway, so I got to see Dr. Tom, which was cool. I hadn't seen him in. Awesome forever. guy. Yeah. He's one of our producers. Oh, make sure the matches went off like they were supposed to. Can sure you believe was. everybody hit their time? Everybody was early. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? How about that shitty uh, shot by the, uh, from the, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm getting his voicemail. Here we mm-hmm. go. When you, when you want to do something, you're going to do it. Aren't you? Nobody can talk you out of shit. Yeah. Hey buddy. It's Conrad Thompson here, uh, live on what happened when with Tony Schiavone. And, uh, he was just uh, telling me that he's texted you and, uh, you don't respond to his text messages. So he wanted me to convey to you, uh, since he reached out to you just as a friend, check in, see how you're doing, make sure you're okay. And you didn't respond. He wanted me to make sure that I conveyed this message to you. Go fuck yourself from Tony Schiavone. But that's not for me. Of course, I love you and hope we get to record another something to wrestle someday soon. I uh, hope you and Stephanie and kids are doing great. Hope them <laughs> dogs are doing good and, uh, hope to talk to you again by the end of the quarter. <laughs> Bye-bye. So there you go. by the end of the quarter. Oh, uh, that, uh, that shot from the helicopter sucked, man. Yeah. You remember it just uh, bouncy. What the fuck? Thank God for drones now, right? You get great shots for $200 for $200. Yeah. Oh, I, I do want to do a shout out before this match starts to, and tell me if I got this right. Because they were walking around StarCast. Uh, is the GoPro team? Yeah. GoPro yeah. Wrestling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I asked them to shoot a, a promo for me, and they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and got it done and got it in, and I'm, it meant a lot to me. Look at this motherfucker. Yes, I don't know. Hogwild. Please don't play him. <laughs> I just did it just to make you say it. Because I know anytime I do, hey! Stop. Cause you don't think you don't think that you're going to hear from his lawyers. All right. You know what? Let's we... just test it right now. Remember the no, movie? No, 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 Hang on. No. Do you remember the no. movie Beetlejuice? <laughs> yes. Okay. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. All right. Let's try it again. Let's get ready okay. to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to no, rumble. Let's get no, ready to rumble. No, no, no. Let's no. get ready to rumble. Let's no. get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Now I'm talking about the movie. I want you and I to go to the. Uh, blockbuster the last one uh-huh. over in alaska and i want to rent uh-huh. ready to rumble right and i'm telling you you and i let's yeah. get that dvd let's get ready to rumble let's get ready to rumble let's get ready to rumble let's see what happens okay maybe it's like Candyman or beetlejuice mm-hmm. by the way 
Got me a big nasty gram from WWE. Got a nasty gram. Yeah. That's what I call cease and desist. Did you really? Oh yeah. I had a, I had a table downstairs that was unlevel. So I just keep adding my cease and desist in there and that table ain't rocking no more. Can you tell us what that cease and desist was? Uh, I'll tell you off air. Okay. Let me just, let me just say this sometimes. And by the way, as we like to say, no heat, brother, uh, left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Big old company. Everything's fine. Nobody's upset. Had conversation the very next day. Mm -hmm. Let the lawyers talk that day. Then had two very pleasant, three very pleasant phone calls the next day. All good. 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 But it does still tickle me <laughs> to get those like, really? Yeah. Well, if you get them, it means you're important. I think it means you're doing something. Well, I don't know about all that. Mm-hmm. How many goofballs out there you think would say, Hey, I got a cease and desist from the WWE. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I done something pretty cool. I don't fucking think. Let me go and tweet that out right now. Cause I'm a tweeter. I'm a tweeter. You're a fucking goof is what you are. And the the problem is most of the time goofs don't know they're goofs. Hey, we got a little fireworks going here. Short title that, reign here, huh? You know what though? What a big moment it was. I'm I'm not I'm not disappointed he got it. It was a magical moment for WCW Nitro. Even if it is going right back to him. And look, he's already cleaned off the NWO. Of course, the NWO was spray painted on there one year prior at right. this very same event. But we saw in the post match on Nitro, Rey Mysterio and others bringing him some sort of cleaning solution and a rag to try to wipe off the NWO and here he is, and that belt looks like a million bucks on him, does it not? Mm. It looks comfortable on him. Looks like it should be there, doesn't it? Yeah. He looks like a world champion. He looks like a real-life action figure. Yes. By the way, in real life, one of the nicest humans you could ever meet, if you if you were a Lex Luger fan or you were not a Lex Luger fan, I want to strongly recommend if you see him and have an opportunity to meet him in a personal appearance, go freaking out of your way. Mm-hmm. Just such a great guy. And speaking of great, this performance is going to be great. Meltzer says Hulk Hogan regained the WCW title for a third time, beating Lex Luger in 16, 15. It's amazing watching Hogan work as a heel as he basically does a Ric Flair routine minus all the flare bumps match was pretty bad and way too long for these two. It was mainly stalling because they were supposed to go 20 to 25 minutes. Hogan was eye poking and choking him with a cable. Hogan called Luger a piece of shit. So I guess the vulgarity rules uh, that everyone was told to follow don't apply to Hogan. Mm. Imagine a different standard applying to stars in a business like pro wrestling. Mm. Anyway, you know, what's coming. They're going to, uh, spray paint the belt afterwards. Dennis Rodman's going to be here. It's going to be some pretty cool stuff, Yeah, but I agree probably too long of a match. I think these guys could have had a 10 minute match and been just fine. 
But maybe the idea is, hey, let's give them their money's worth. But sometimes that backfires a little bit. Sure does. We just saw the big pyro for Lex Luger's entrance, and uh, that made me think of a fun story that we uh, we haven't told about last Sunday at Municipal. Okay. You know, we had the big confetti at the end of the night for Flair, which I thought added a lot and made it feel special and big and important. Um, I opted not to do pyro simply because I knew that wasn't really a JCP thing. Like y'all didn't do a whole bunch of pyro back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, eh, I kind of want to light this thing. I know we need a big video board for common stuff, but I want it to look a little old school. So I didn't really want to do a bunch of pyro cause Nobody really did that back then. Right. You might get a firecracker or something, but nothing major. But I became pretty good friends uh, over the last few years with uh, Sin Bodhi, who's a, a figure guy who makes some tremendous stuff, including he made um, a sting figure for me where, I mean, it was really cool. Anyway, part of his deal that I've even heard Bruce Pritchard talk about is he has a tie that he puts firecrackers in and mm-hmm. they explode on the tie. So it's like an exploding tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, uh, the original format had him halfway down the ramp. I guess they call it a quarter carry or whatever it is. And when we come back from the bunkhouse package, there he is. And here's the exploding tie. Thought it'd be a cool visual. Turns out those little firecrackers, I think they're black cats. If you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, Yep. that's, that's, that's pyro. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that was pyro pyro to me is shit that explodes at the ring entrance or over the ring. It's something that has a big presentation. Uh, this is a firecracker to me. Yes. Turns out it is indeed pyro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we needed a permit to do that. <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. So no pyro, no exploding tie. Have you seen the exploding tie gimmick? I have not seen it, uh, but I can tell you this. You save a lot of money by not having pyro. Oh, I'm sure of that. Oh, whoa, whoa. Just wait, whoa. I just, sometimes I wonder if we get out of pyro what we put into it. And the answer is no. Yeah. It's just, it's way overdone. You can have music, you can have video, you can have flames, but no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of pyro. So yeah, this match is starting out quite slow here. Well, listen, I, I, in my head, an exploding tie is not pyro. Like yeah. I think of pyro as something where you need a technician and you got to make sure that, you know, you're making sure the fans are safe and everything goes like it's supposed to. Nothing accidentally fires into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like I understand all that. Right. But these black cat gimmicks, like we give these to eight year olds in Alabama. Right. Like, here you go. Be careful, honey. So in my head, well, that's not pyro. And, uh, Mr. Small and Mr. Mitchell were real quick to remind me, uh, if you can set it on fire and it goes, boom, mm-hmm. it's pyro. So, okay, well, let's not yep. get our, let's not have the fire marshal shut our shit down in the pre-show. No, you're right. Because I didn't realize that that was pyro. Mm-hmm. Now, granted 
it was on the format and had been on the format from day one. I thought that was anybody else's fault, but I didn't know I needed a permit for a firecracker. Now I know. So if I'm ever dumb enough to do this again, and there's an exploding tie, no, Hey, Conrad did paperwork this time. <laughs> Cause in my head, I get that. Yeah. If you're going to have explosions in a building, like we just yeah. saw for Lex Luger's entrance, then yeah, you got to make sure you do all the prop go through the proper channels, but this shit, we give eight year olds in a cul-de-sac in Millbrook, Alabama. <laughs> well, that don't fucking count. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Especially when you're in a building. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, we are in such a litigious society now that you just got to people looking for a buck. Oh, he had a firecracker unlicensed. It burned my arm. I want $5 million never to work again. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really go to work anyway. I just, I don't do shit, but I want to get paid for not doing shit this time. Yeah. This is a slow match and the fans are really not into it. Well, but it, it, it's big stars, you know, of course it is. Meltzer, by the way, gives this one half a star. Wow. At this point, Bagwell six, Vincent and Kevin Nash came out to be bumped around by Luger. As Luger went after Nash, the latest bogus thing, this time being Scott Hall, came out and hit Luger with a baseball bat, allowing Hogan to get the pin. They were to have a post-match celebration, including re-spray painting the belt in the ring, but the fans throwing things like rocks and bottles made them head for higher ground. Mm. Backstage, they let Conan hold the belt, while Hogan allowed Dennis Rodman to spray paint the belt again. Rodman was, was in Sturgis as a motorcycle enthusiast and decided to drop by, so his appearance was a freebie which is why he wasn't involved in the title change angle, which at least would have made it more newsworthy than involving yet another fake sting. The announcer sold the finish as if the real sting had turned on Luger, which was pathetic since it was way too obvious. It wasn't the real one. Then again, what can you expect? Like from a sad sack of shit, like Tony Schiavone, who was doing his fucking job, Dave, you never had to answer anybody in your life. So what do you know? He, he didn't call Does Dave, you think, do you think Dave ever had a, a a job where he worked with for someone. Yes. He worked at the national at the national. Yeah. Wonder if his editor told him to do something. Wonder if he would have done it. Yes. The answer would have been yes. Yes. By the way, Dave, he didn't call you a sounds like a shit. I just did that for our phone. I know he did. I need it, but he can still fuck off. Okay. Did you see over the week, uh, this past week that, uh, Dax mm. politely and respectfully told Dave Meltzer to fuck off. No, I do not. I thought that was, (laughs) let me find it. I don't want to say it wrong, but let me just tell you, I did a double take. Oh, really? Okay. I did a double take. Here's the, uh, the choke thing. Maybe he's going to call him a piece of shit. Let's listen. He's going to, he could get disqualified here. This isn't a good move for Hogan. He's not thinking right now. He's reacting. He's not thinking. He almost pulled out Maxwell. Cameraman in there with him, too. Hold of a gun. You ain't nothing, bro. And Hogan continues to taunt away. You ain't ain't nothing. You're nothing. I got you every... So, Uncle Dax FTR, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Dax FTR on Twitter, says, quote tweets Dave Meltzer and says, Dave, with all due respect... Fuck off. <laughs> like in the most respectful and loving way. I mean that. Yeah. When you decide to get two sides of a story, then speak on it. Thanks, dude. Wow. I just love. Cause it, it feels like 
Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. With all due respect, and then he says the most horrible shit ever right after. Yeah. I love it. I bet you I got a lot of responses. Uh, as we're talking right now, mm-hmm. it got 388 replies. Wow. 654 retweets. Wow. 4,691 likes. Wow. And 226 quote tweets. Wow. Okay. Very cool. <clears throat> With all due respect, we're going to, the, we got to start doing way, that to each other. I know. Uh, <clears throat> uh, FTR is freaking over, buddy. I'm sure you've heard there's a conspiracy theory. Oh God. What is that? The conspiracy theory is that the bucks are holding them down. Oh, to that conspiracy theory. I say for all due (laughs) respect, what's the term again? Uh, with all due respect, with all due respect. Yes. Why is the world this way? Conrad, the world's always been this way. It's just social media has amplified it. Right. I'll tell you what's interesting to me is the fucking idiots on social media. As we're recording, it's Sunday, August 7th. Yeah. Well, last night, Saturday, August 6th, it's been promoted for months, by the way. Andrade wrestled Carlito in Puerto Rico. And who's the biggest Puerto Rican wrestling legend of all time? Carlos Colon. Correct. Carlos Colon was in Carlito's corner. And so when Carlito wrestled Andrade, they had Ric Flair be in his corner. Okay. So Andrade with Rick in his corner, taking on Carlito, with Carlos Colon in his corner. Okay. And I got, I don't know, a dozen people messaging me. You're a fucking liar. He had another match a week later. It didn't even take a week. What are you talking about? He walked a guy to the ring. He was a manager. That's not the same as being in a match. Are you suggesting that Paul Heyman wrestled in the main event? SummerSlam? No, he's a manager. It's not a match. And then now, since we've been recording this other fucking idiot, Mm. why was he dressed to wrestle last night? You mean in jeans, loafers, a t-shirt and a blazer? Did he wear a robe? Did he wear wrestling boots? Did he wear knee pads? Did he wear trunks? Did he tape his fingers? (laughs) People are stupid, dude. Oh, on all levels, there's stupid people who don't do shit. There's stupid people in the work world. There's stupid people everywhere, all levels. And you know what? I've, I've, I've figured out the, uh, the, the secret of life. Which it's is navigate. It's to navigate around the stupid people and still be able to do your work. Yes. Just navigate around them. It's got to be a full-time job. Hey, by the way, we, we, we talked about how great 
Jeff Jarrett was in the main event. I don't think yep. enough people have been given credit to Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal is one of the, if not the most professional wrestler I've ever met. Mm. Earlier on time, willing mm-hmm. to do whatever, mm-hmm. hits it out of the park. All the little nuanced stuff. By the way, just salt of the earth, dude. Mm. And then to see him get a win over Orange Cassidy, and then I guess I didn't get to see all the Battle of the Belts, but he was standing tall over Wardlow after. Like, I'm so happy to see him having success on TV because I was. I think a lot of people, when Ring of Honor was sort of struggling before Tony bought it, were wondering, hey, what's going to happen to Jay? And because, right. uh, I mean, he's the longest reigning Ring of Honor champion in history. It's sort of kind of his deal. Right. And then when it, seemed like it was going to be circling the drain. A lot of people were, Hey, what is this going to mean? And I'll be damned if he didn't wind up in a really, really good spot and just couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I'm sure you agree. I do agree. He is one of the nicest guys in wrestling. Uh, one of my favorite people in wrestling and it's, Love Hogan posing with his back. I, uh, <laughs> that's a flare thing right there. Oh, big time. Yeah, it really is. Let's track it. He's looking yeah. for Larry with him right here in the corner. Incredibly out of the dead. Luger rises to the midsection. Luger with a forearm shot. Rocks the head of Hogan back. The champion will send the challenger in. And he got it down with Larry. And Hogan's not talking much now, is he? He's begging. He's begging his right. He's begging off right now, and that's so true. He don't hit me no more. Lex Luger cannot make a mistake right now as he moves in. Come on, be careful. Hit him from crying out loud. Be careful of Hogan. He's got something planned, believe me. And I shouldn't use that term, but hit him. Hold you right in the eye. Man, uh, you guys are so great on commentary, you and Bobby together. I know it wasn't absolutely your absolute favorite. But man, that yeah. was just such a great team. Yeah, I I, I think we, I, I think we did good work together. I think at times we did great work together, and um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed the times working with him. Um, what were you talking about before? Uh, uh, Jay Lethal is a good person. Oh yes, yes, and I, I I'll say this: the as far as wrestlers go. I think I mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. The three nicest wrestlers, greatest guys that I've ever met, and I've met a lot of them. The Bucks go into this, okay? This is by no means demeaning any guy of the guys. Right. But I think Claudio, Jade Lethal, and Adam Cole are three of the nicest kids I've ever met. Sanjay's on your list, too. Oh yeah, well, yes, of course he is. But I, I'm talking about guys who perform in the ring, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I work closely with Sanjay, as you know. Um, I saw Sanjay. Uh, he here comes the the B squad. Yeah, Sanjay's one of my good friends. To be honest with you, he really is. He we, uh, he came to Ric Flair's last match and was I ran into him halfway down the ramp. He's coming down. And I'm going up before doors mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, dude, so glad to meet you in real life. Thanks for coming. Really appreciate you being here." And he goes, uh, what do you need me to do? And I said, I just, just be you. And he goes, yeah. no, I'm, I'm glad to help. What do you need me to do? And I said, yeah. just go do Sanjay stuff. Yeah. And he's like, let me get the pencil. I mean, it's just <laughs> great guy. Yeah. But you know, in real life, he's best of friends with Jay lethal. And, uh, sure. 
Right. He wanted to be there to support Jay because he knew what a big deal it was to Jay. Look at this. This is Scott Hall dressed up like Sting. Let's track it. Sting is out holding him up. Sting hit Hogan. Oh, he hit Luger. Luger he hit Luger in the back. He caught Luger in the back. Sting oh, I missed Luger. that one. Two, one, one. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my I fucked that one up. Sting hit Luger in the back. Oh, no. So you see the trash and debris coming in and, 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 and of course, a lot of times, you know, when it's just sodas and stuff, they're all ready for it because that's a big part of the NWO here, but you can yeah. see those are mm-hmm. rocks in the ring. Yeah, Hogan's shielding his eyes with a belt. Yeah, he doesn't want to lose a fucking eye out there. Yeah. Guys, let me just say this. If you're listening to this, please don't st- throw stuff at the ring. No, do not. Like, I understand you want to be a part of the show, and I get it. Uh, and, and as a fan, it was cool, man, that one time everybody threw chairs in the ring. Mm-hmm. But now I realize, hey, uh, people can get hurt here for real. Of course. Of course they can. Like if a rock hit one of these guys in the temple or the Mm -hmm. eye, this could be disastrous. Yeah. Don't do that. So Luger getting carried out here by the Steiners and Mr. Perfect. Of course, there is no real life sting. We're pretending like that was sting, but we know it's not. And, uh, the announcer didn't know as Dave Meltzer said, the announcers obviously had to be crazy to call him Sting, even though the boss has told us to call him Sting. Yeah. Duh. Oh, well, whatever. We got a little uh, track it moment here coming up. Okay, I think good. we're going to see some spray paint Jones in the back. Spray paint Jones. Those two girls have had too much to smoke. They're yelling about something in the, in the back area. Is that, is that Craig Leathers? Craig, I bet you, would you uh, uh, say that again? Is there a fight in the backstage area? What's going on here? <sighs> no, like it or not, Hogan is the champion of the world again. Yeah, this is uh, what you said. They had to redo this because they were going to do this in the ring. Yeah, so we're definitely filibuster in here. Right. Which, so I, which I learned also- during the pre-show, you're very well versed in. <laughs> Because there was a few packages that were supposed to play and they didn't. Yeah, right. And uh, both of the matches ended early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you wound up being very comfortable filibustering. You might yeah. even be a pro at filibustering. Maybe I am. Here's a little more of it. Oh, hey, I'm gonna are, tell you, are, can no. we see it again? Or I don't even know if we want to see it again. You know what, Tony? The the now what happens after this? Is so important. WCW, we were on such a roll. We felt, we felt good about each other. Everybody was talking about how high we were and where we were going with this thing. And and right here tonight, as we were ready to drive this stake in the heart of this monster that we call the New World Order, things like this happen. And the guy that has been, I mean, just aloof from us, Sting, we seen it right there, looked at it, watched it happen. Just when it gets you real close to him where you sure. think you're, he's behind you, he rips yeah. your heart out. Once you know, again. and Luger had him. 
Luger had him beat. Yes, he did. Luger had him beat, and Hogan would have been gone. Hogan would have been so far down that list, we'd have never heard from him again. But now, now he's champion of the world again. The Outsiders retain their title. What does WCW do? Well, we're we not going to bury their heads, are they? No, we got to stand up on not. our hand quarters and go with our business. So Hulk Hogan is the world champion. The Outsiders are still the world tag team champions. And we started this event almost three hours ago thinking that uh, it was going to be a night where W. Lots of filibuster. I want to bring this up. This came out in the news that same week. Oh, look, just on there command. We here we go. Dennis Rodman's here. The real one, Dennis. The deal is this. He passed the initiation. He proved the toughest test of time. And now the dirtiest dog, Rob the Bod, reanoint the family, my friend. Go ahead. Tag it. Sweet. Sweet. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Life. <laughs> you know, I love sharing the belt with you guys. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to us. So there you go. We see uh, Dennis Rodman do a <coughs> rather poor job spray painting the belt yeah. with the NWO, but hey, he got it done. Yeah. There was another big story that came out here that's less than awesome, uh, especially mm. because it's a, a friend of ours. Okay. Uh, there's two little stories I guess we should hit, but then we'll wrap things up. One is about Steven Regal. Meltzer says, Still not totally clear about the Steven Regal situation. What we know is that Regal, Scott Norton, and Marcus Bagwell were on a flight home from Japan from the G1 tournament. Regal was acting up to the point the plane made an unscheduled landing in Anchorage, and all three wrestlers were made to leave the plane. Norton and Bagwell claim it was guilt by association, although there were news reports that claim they were rambunctious on the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regal was supposedly worse with reports that he urinated, not in the bathroom in first class. Supposedly WCW officials don't even have the sto- story straight of exactly what happened. And we aren't clear of what Regal's future is. He was not at any of the shows this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we know that this is a story that has a very happy ending because, uh, he did get control of his, uh, demons and addictions. And he wrote a lot about that in his fabulous book that I highly recommend, uh, and became a much better person on the other side. But that's probably the, the the biggest black mark on his wrestling career, at least in WCW. I'm sure you would agree. Yes, by far. Uh, we should also mention that Six was fired for a short period of time the week prior to this. Meltzer would mm-hmm. say Bischoff was under a lot of heat from the higher-ups for standards violated, largely having to do with the vulgarity standards. Six must have used naughty words, and some of his gestures weren't met with the highest of approval either. In the tag match with Flair and Henning versus Norton and Bagwell, when Six did a run-in, he pulled Flair's tights down and Bischoff claimed it was the straw that broke the camel's back. When he told Hall and Nash what happened, they were ready to walk, and an hour later, everything was fine again. So there you go. Some friends looking out for friends. But I think at the time, somewhere around here, Waltman did a little crotch chop Mm. and, and yelled pretty loudly for someone to... SSD or whatnot. And they don't like that. Yeah. And then I guess he <clears throat> showed off Ric Flair's butthole. I don't guess they like that either. So I guess not. So there you go. Lots of, uh, carrying on here in the summer of 1997, but this was fun, man. I like watching the bad shows, but I got to tell you, this wasn't that bad. I mean, the main event left a little bit left to be desired maybe, but 
wasn't a bad show. You had a lot of talent on there. Uh, it was yeah. kind of interesting to see the way some of it was positioned, especially with the benefit of hindsight. But next week, we're going to be talking about Clash of the Champions 28. And I know that you're a big Clash of the Champions 28 fan. You were just telling me about it the other day. You said, man, you know what we need to do? We need to watch Clash of the Champions 28. And I said, why is that, Tony? And he said, because Conrad, it happened in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Everybody mm. knows that. It's right. where we had Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan for the world title. It's where we had wow. Anoki wrestle Steven Regal. It's wow. where we had Dusty and Dustin team up to take on Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk. Holy it's where smokes. we had Ricky Steamboat and Steve Austin for the U.S. title. And it's where we had Pretty Wonderful take on the Nasty Boys. WCW had a rock-solid roster in 94. Wow. But think about that. Where else could you see... Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Stone Cold, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and Anoki on the same card. That's God. what we'll be watching next week, dude. Wow, that is that is going to be worth watching. Yeah, I'm pumped. That, I am too. That sounds that sounds that's unbelievable. And you know what is more unbelievable about it? What? I don't remember it. <laughs> well, let's see. And if I you... should. I should remember shit like this. Anoki, Why yeah. Didn't I? For sure, Anoki. Yeah. If someone would have come to me and says, hey, did you ever see Antonio Anoki uh, wrestle or call one of these matches? I'll go, well, I remember Tokyo Dome, and I remember he coming out, him coming out. He didn't have a match, but I remember they did an angle with him. He, he, uh, Somebody bumped for him, and everybody cheered. But did you do one of these matches? I'll go, nah, can't remember. Well, I guess I did. Fuck. Boys and girls, hopefully he remembers what it means when I say it's about that time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just about that time. Dave Silva is in the ring again, and he climbs up on top of Shuley to pin him. Actually, we can't see Shuley now because we know Shuley is little sawed off fuck. And Dave is rather big, but the referee's taking a bump and coming down. It's super Dave. He slides in the ring. One, two, go. Oh, it's a false finish. Dave, with all due respect, go fuck yourself. This is a Longhorn Steakhouse. For Conrad Thompson, I'm Tony Schiavone. We'll see you next week on What Happened When. Wednesdays on Cumulus Worldwide. And then Mondays, we come to you on Patron. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. And of course, adfreeshows.com.